Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Minnie. Jo- slow down a bit there, Darren. <laughs> we need to get under 6,000 6, RPMs for this, right? Uh, let's just, let's do that again, but together. <laughs> we, we need you to be a team player here, Mooney. Um, but yes, so joining me as ever is my team player slash co-host, Andrew Quinn. Hello. Um, I'd like to talk to you about podcasting. There's somebody here... <laughs> Who, who who knows how that feels at somebody is the Ford Motor Company. Uh, but yes, we're going to be discussing the new, newest entry on the list, number 183, Ford vs. Ferrari, or Le Mans 66, if you live outside the United States. But before we do, we have a bit of business. Unless you go on entertainment.ie. Oh. Oh, no, wait. It, 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 I, I looked it up, and I went to L for Le Mans 66 and couldn't find it. I had to go back to um, F. F. For Ford v Ferrari. No, it's not very long to go. We're not very far to go. But there are so many movies. Perhaps too many movies, Darren. Hot topic. But I, 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 I kept going because I, I was motoring at that point. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. That, got, that, get, that gets my engine going. Yes. Yes, yeah. it does. All Keep right. running. <laughs> but yes, so before we jump into the discussion of Le Mans 66 or Ford versus Ferrari, we're going to do a little bit of business because this is the first time Andrew and I have podcasted. Is this when we do it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, or is it at the end? <laughs> Once we turned off all the recording equipment. Um, but yes. People have to really wait <laughs> to get their... Uh, like Talk they, about delayed gratification. Yeah, they see it? Le Mans 66 in the title and they're like, oh yeah, here we go. High octane. Let's go. <laughs> What are they talking about <laughs> now? now? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, again, this is very much like James Mangold's structure of the movie. He described it as an inverse uh, Saving Private Ryan. So I think we're kind of adhering to that, where all the boring stuff is at the start, and then you get to the bit that involves the actual exciting part everybody wants to see, right? Yeah, and they, um, we're Matt da- <laughs> they're looking for Matt Damon, but he's there at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it it's is a very an clever structural inversion, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, then at the end, um, did you see the after credit sequence with Tom Hanks? <laughs> Just visiting the. Uh, the Setting sh- up the sequel. Oh, yeah. Uh, Miles to Go, I think, is what the sequel's called. Ken Miles to Go. But before we jump into discussing The Man 66, there is a bit of. Uh, <laughs> business to get through uh which is that uh this is the first time andrew and i've recorded solo together in quite a while in fact do you remember solo. the last yep i believe you bolo. call this yes i believe you call it a solo bolo or a bro I, down, I, I'm, down i'm stealing that from um from comedy bang bang they call it a solo bolo when it when it's himself and uh ben schwartz and when i say himself uh scott Ackerman. <laughs> And they call it a, um, a Darren is just really wants to talk. <laughs> and, um, when they have Jason Mansukas, it's a hoedown bro down. Ah. You can edit that. Bit. <laughs> but anyway, so what did I say? Was you remember the last time we recorded? We're together? getting to it. <laughs> we are. We will eventually get there. But do you remember the last time we recorded together, just the two of us, you and I. You and I. Um, I can't think of when that was June June it's been that long June yeah wow uh, but anyway so what did we record uh, Toy Story 4 
Ah. That's the last time you and I recorded alone together. It's, it's, it's been a very interesting year. We've had a number of great guests on. It's been fantastic. But it's it's nice, I think, just to have the two of us occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a Toy Story. More like boy story. Am I right? Am I right? But anyway. This so, is what you have to look forward to for, <laughs> for the, the next, next like, like, it's at least the longest movie, <laughs> yeah. right? Two and a half hours. I think generally our episodes are about an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> That's what we're setting in place now. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> our shortest one is not is more than an hour and 45 minutes. But yeah, strap yourself in. <laughs> anyway, a couple of weeks ago, we had our anniversary special. We invited a whole bunch of our former guests to a pub and we discussed the year in film and we asked them a couple of questions. And because, you know, it, it's about celebrating our guests, we're, we're really glad that we have the guests that we have. They're really fantastic. We wanted to give them a chance to speak. Um, so we didn't answer the questions ourselves. And we decided what we do is because this is our first time doing a podcast just the two of us after that we've done this before <laughs> we have done this before we did it with slender man and we did it with thor ragnarok as well so we'll, we'll run through the questions very very quickly so andrew right of the yes. new entries to have appeared on the list Present. <laughs> and accounted for um but of the new entries to have appeared on the list since last year which of them is your favorite and why i think last year was a weak year um, for movies on the uh, not necessarily movies per se but movies on the 250 um certainly and if i were to pick one i would pick roma i think it's a beautiful movie i think it's very profound i think it's very uh, uh personal and it's nice to give a director that people uh, and studios and the industry kind of trusts to let him make one uh for him yeah. it's generally kind of like we see it with with um, uh, directors who who create something uh, beautiful. The next thing is like, well, they're so good. <laughs> Why don't <laughs> we'll we strap them to a franchise? Strap them happened. to a franchise and uh, get them to make this blockbuster, like kind of... Um, by way of committee. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Everyone, knows you, everyone knows you don't win blockbusters by committee, Andrew. Exactly, um, yeah, yeah. So like, like um, I was delighted to hear today that uh, Rian Johnson has a, um, a, a new movie coming out. Knives Out, which yes. will actually be releasing next week. And we, it looks fantastic. It does indeed. It's already like a return being to form. It's already being downvoted on IMDb. <laughs> this is the man <laughs> who, who brought us... Um, Looper uh, and Brick. Looper and, and Brick, yeah, yeah. So and the Brothers Bloom. Yeah. Yeah. So we're 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 looking forward to that. Roma was an incredible movie and a very a very twenty nineteen movie as well. And yeah, I, I I I I loved it. And I I I enjoyed kind of talking about it. And I feel like it's been too long since I've seen it. Yeah. I I wouldn't mind make, it making it the kind of twenty nineteen. Um, Quinn, Quinn family movie That's or nice. something. I no, I'm definitely not going to put on a, a <laughs> Quinn family movie like you do, Darren, with okay. the with the with the Mooney family family movie madness. We're not going to have a competing uh, thing here, no. With the MFMM, <laughs> the male female male male. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, the branding might need some work on that one. I think. Um, but yeah, it's November, but. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, so. Um, other, um, myself, I'd actually, and I'm kind of I'm torn on this because I did think about doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I loved, but I'm probably going to go with Into the Spider-Verse, actually. Um, exactly the sort of almost franchise type film you're complaining about there. But no, Into the Spider-Verse was a movie that I, I really, really enjoyed. It was just a joy from beginning to end. I've seen it a couple of times since, and it, it just moves. It's clever. It's smart. It's fast moving. It's, it's well observed. It's great fun. And I did also love Roma. And I quite like that you picked Roma 
because it does feel like we m- it may tie into some of the stuff we'll be talking about later when we talk about Ford versus Ferrari. I was going to pick Green Book just as an, <laughs> just, <laughs> just as an FU to everybody, like because I because I did enjoy Green Book, yeah. but it's so kind of um, against sort of the the sort of you know film Twitter that yeah. we're familiar with. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, it is worth noting that. By like, the way, I've left Twitter. <laughs> I'm <gone>. It's great. <laughs> not not that I have any problem with anybody on it. It's just that just I, collectively. I'm, no, I'm just lazy. I don't want to tweet. <laughs> I have nothing to say. It is worth noting that, like, for all we complain about Green Book, it's held pretty solid. It's only yeah. dropped five places um, in the past year. It also won the Best Picture Oscar. So I think Green Book's doing okay for itself. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely, absolutely. It and, doesn't need my help. And then second question, which is, a movie from the past year that didn't make the 250 that you think deserves 12? It's been spoken about before in the anniversary um, episodes. I would have to give this to In Fabric. I loved In Fabric. It was dark and funny and uh, weird. When I say it's funny, it was hilarious. Like, and 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 it's 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 really it's really stuck in my head, and it has a a a, a special place in my heart as well. And it's 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 terrific. And this and, is Peter and Strickland's it, movie, exactly about and, a. Can we mention what's about? Or is yeah, it yeah. I, th- I, th- I think I think you 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 can set it up a little bit if you like. We'll just say that it's about a haunted dress. Yes, a literal phantom thread. Yes. So they um, go go see it. It's um, it's uh, it's terrific. And it was kind of a small movie. It was. Um, I wouldn't have seen I it if seen I it. wasn't asked to go see it. Yeah. And Darren, who has seen every movie. <laughs> Has not seen it. Who has somehow seen Ford versus Ferrari yeah. four times. Oh, yeah. Um, Based on that, I don't think you'd like this movie. <laughs> I don't think you would enjoy In Fabric I, I like as Ferrari much sounds as you clearly enjoyed, enjoyed Ford versus Ferrari. Ford versus Ferrari. I did like uh, Bavarian Sound Studio, I have to say, actually. You, how I, many times did you see it? Uh, once. <laughs> Which is the test of a true fan. And for myself, I'm going to go with a horribly, depressingly conventional choice. I'm going to say The Favourite. Um, which I absolutely loved. I've seen that four times and I've loved each and every one of those. People keep saying to me about Yorgos Lantimos' movies that I would love them and that I need to see them and I still haven't seen any. I think you might actually. I, I yeah. really like them. They're very odd. They're very off kilter. Um, the favourite is probably the most accessible. So if you want to go full weird, go with The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Right. Um, which is great. It's like if Stanley Kubrick directed an episode of Days of Our Lives. The Lobster as well. Like, like, yeah, The Lobster is like, also very good. I'm, I'm, I, I just keep on being disappointed that it's not on a kind of a format that I can watch it when I think of it. Oh, okay, so it's not available to stream or it's not on right, Netflix right. or it's not on... Okay. Exactly. So yeah. I, I think I just need to... Um, I think I even tried to get it, uh, it on... You know the way uh, YouTube lets you rent and buy movies? Yeah. I, I, Via Google Play. I think I, I might have yeah. missed that. Okay. It was either that or the sun's room. I think Nana Moretti's the sun room. The sun's room. I saw one time at two in the morning. <laughs> I was convinced in my slightly delirious state that it was the best movie I had ever seen. <laughs> haven't been able we, to watch it since we call that the cloud atlas phenomenon <laughs> um, and then the third question which is like of all the movies that made the list in 1999 which of them is your favorite this um i had difficulty kind of deciding because i'm, I'm sort of in between probably the matrix and being john malkovich but i think s- since we covered it and since it's still on the list <laughs> 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the And Richard. therefore is logically the better movie. <laughs> therefore is logically the better movie. I'm not going to go for Fight Club. I'll go for being John Malkovich. There, there, I played an audible just there. Yeah. <laughs> being John Malkovich is fantastic. It's um it's it's weird, it's funny, it's very kind of um it 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 makes me think this, I have it in my head that uh, Kaufman and Gondry made it, but that's not the case, is it? It's, it's Jones. Jones. It's yeah. Jones. Um, and was going to say all this stuff about Gondry. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, I've actually literally had conversations. It's amazing. This sort of uh, similarity, sorry, not, uh, but yeah, the um, synchronicity. I had a conversation about with somebody in work about where Gondry's gone uh, in the past yeah. couple of years because he's working on the we Jim Carrey show. Kidding. Sleep. Yeah. Which is utter. Like it shows what 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 Michel Gondry does, and he's left on his own. I mean, man. have you seen Green Green Hornet? Yeah, Green Hornet's not exactly brilliant either. Is that a Michel Gondry movie? Yeah, really. Yes, it is starring Christoph Waltz and Seth Rogen. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, it, it's not as bad as the, the Green Lantern. Neither Hornet. of which I've no, seen. Oh, yeah, Green Hornet is better than Green Lantern. Right, right, right. Neither of them made enough green though. <laughs> Um, all right then, and th- wah, wah. <laughs> thank you, Andrew. Um, I see we kept the ban from the Joker episode on hand, um, but yes. And then I will uh, for my own pick. I'm going to go with the. I'm going to be very conventional. I'm going to say the Matrix actually. And again, this is one of the ones where rewatching it really cemented it for me. Really, because yeah. rewatching the Matrix just um, cemented how like what 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 really came across watching the Matrix for me when we did rewatch it. Was how all of the characters are um, having a psychotic break from reality and murdering like just dozens and dozens of innocent people. So I could relate to in, that in public um, buildings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you could relate to that. No. Okay. No. And it just it, it kind of resonated with me this whole idea of, like in a building re- that looks like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because my employers don't listen to this podcast. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> the poor guy reading the newspaper. Um, but yeah. No. I mean. I mean. Yes. Some of that stuff is is troubling and unsettling and the way the imagery has been co-opted since is also unsettling as well but I, I found but I wanted to say the <laughs> Fight Club so they're, they're... yeah no well Fight Club was also great I was quite impressed yeah. with... um, the other one then okay fine if my safe choice would no, be The no, Sixth no, no, Sense because no. um... I was actually also pleasantly surprised The Sixth Sense was the biggest pleasant surprise really I had was, doing this because yeah. um, I again because M. Night Shyamalan in we're not going to go negative are we <laughs> 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 we're not going to talk about like <laughs> the movies that just <laughs> did not stand up yeah. oh you mean the movie that was the second best movie of all time right um, um yes um, not all american beauty holds up but anyway so on to our fourth question which is a movie from 1999 which you think deserves a place on the list i am going to find this quite difficult because the movies that i thought didn't get onto the list did in fact get on the list like i didn't think that being john malkovich got onto the list so that was going to be you know the the, the one a movie that i have not seen <laughs> therefore that, uh, i'm going to recommend um is election but that also <laughs> got onto the list so i am um, i'm gonna hope that 10 things i had about you was the 1999 <laughs> movie 
That yeah. did not get onto the list. <laughs> I love that this am is Am I text. right? You are right. I, like I that. am it's, right. It's like, which of the two categories? Brilliant. It's like Brilliant. pointless. I love that we're playing pointless, basically. I I love 10 Things I Hate About You, and I think more movies like that deserve to be on the list. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, there, there's a whole whole rake of other things around that as well in terms of, again, there was a mini uh, teen movie yeah, that like, kind of like, overshadowed. Yeah, like Clueless. Um, as, in the uh, late 90s. But yeah. even like in 1999 of itself, The Virgin Suicides uh, didn't make the list, which kind of astounds me. Um, that was Sofia Coppola's first one, which was a kind of a huge impact. Yeah. And I was very tempted to name The Virgin Suicides as mine. It's certainly up there in conversation. I'm probably going to go with Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand yes. why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising absolutely nobody. You can't, you can't see the applause on uh, the podcast because it's an audio medium. <laughs> but you can you can close your eyes and you can imagine it. Anyway. This slow kind of <laughs> vertical clap. <laughs> Inevitability. So let's talk about Ford versus Ferrari, the movie that we are nominally here to discuss today. Which is directed by James Mangold. You're nominally here. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, we have spent a good 15 minutes talking about stuff that isn't Ford versus Ferrari, to be fair. Or Le Mans 66, as it's known outside the United States. But yeah, so Ford versus Ferrari is the 2019 Fox, uh, 20th Century Fox produced. James Mangold directed. Mangold! <clears throat> yep. Uh, his first film since Logan, actually, which is great. Yeah, making him a, a the repeat, 250s Logan. The 250s Logan, making him a, a recurring entry. Um, and this is... An, an interesting film. We, I think People were expecting John Hanny to be joining us. <laughs> <laughs> to maintain, as, like, as the, our, as our, as our, James, Mangle, yeah, our yeah. James Mangold expert. Yeah, it um, could be like, like Chris has become our Kurosawa <laughs> man. You know, experts do not ask to have expertise. <laughs> they have expertise thrust upon them, Andrew. Uh, but yeah, so basically we're talking about Ford versus Ferrari. And this is an interesting film in some respects. It's interesting perhaps because it's so conventional. Um, it is a film, one of those films that you hear described in terms of they don't really make them like this anymore. When James Mangold received the script and signed on to the project, his agent said, you better enjoy making this because you're not going to get to make another one. Um, as the story goes, it has been described on the Internet as a dad movie. Um, the category of movies that involve mercenaries, soldiers, men who are very good at their jobs, men who are professionals at sports, going through crises and basically overcoming that. Um, but what's interesting is that in the past couple of years, that's become... It's days of Thunder. That's it, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> days of Thunder. But in, in recent years, those sort of dad movies have become the purview of... It's of a race car driver. <laughs> Pretty, pretty good, good race, race car, car driver. driver. <laughs> actually, I'd argue it's more like uh, more like Rush, actually. Yeah, uh, which is interesting. Well, yeah, um, not um, to get too ahead of ourselves here, um, or not to rush in, eh? Yeah, I mean the comparisons will will be <laughs> inevitable, but we don't want to tip our hat. Not too, too early, no. Um, but yes, okay. So let let's let's do this, and then let's jump into the sports zone. So three questions, right? So Andrew, I'm ready. You ready? <laughs> I was born ready. <laughs> The name on the the name on this podcast should tell you. Uh, we have rebranded as Andrew Quinn presents the two fifty, right? Um, but yes. So, Andrew, do you think that Ford versus Ferrari? It's the, it's, the, the podcast is now called the Darren Mooney Andrew Quinn two fifty. <laughs> yeah, the name on the it's podcast like, should uh, tell G, <laughs> GT Ford forty. Or <laughs> yeah. um, the DMAQ two fifty. Um, but yes. So, Andrew, do you think that Ford versus Ferrari? Le Mans 66 belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made. No. No, I don't. No. <laughs> um. That's the sound of the movie leaving the list. <laughs> 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 um, 
yeah. It, I mean, it's going to be done though, like fairly soon, right? No, no. no it, it's <laughs> no. it's up there. It's up there. When when you showed it to me, it, it was it was up there with two movies I think that we've covered, and I cannot recall what they are. It was between Mary and Max and yes. in the name of the Father. Right. Yeah. 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 But uh, I, I mean, the, it's recency bias, right? It's not going to stay there, correct? I mean, we we say that, like we look at the films from last year, the ones that we were expected to hold. Like Green one, Room, like like Green Book, um, Green, Green Book, Green Book, yeah. Green Book, for Green example. Green Room is a different movie. <laughs> yeah, very different movie. But things like, so, you know, we would, I would have expected Green Book to have Green Mile. <laughs> green Lantern. <laughs> yeah, all the green, green baby. Green yeah. yeah. Um, it's a green ocean out there, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, so it, it basically, you know, movies that, and, or Hacksaw Ridge from a couple of years ago right. was another one that we would have maybe yeah. expected well this to will out. definitely stay in the list but the question was does this movie deserve to be in <laughs> yeah. the 250 and the answer is no it's a it's a four star movie yes it's no major kind of criticism or put down of the movie of course anybody who makes a movie wants it to be, uh, presumably be the best movie, uh, ever. movie ever right but but that's not what this is this is this is this is ironically conventional Yes, yeah. and like yeah. incredibly conventional. In fact, a large part yeah. of its appeal is how conventional that it is. But it, it's even conventional in 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 the sense that it sets out the, this kind of iconoclastic sort of credentials, but in a very kind of transparent safe way. and safe way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody has their function in this movie. It's like it, not not to tip our hands too much about the, you know post spoiler zone. For me, watching it, it's a movie about just enough autourism. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's, that's, it's just, just enough individualism in our mass produced factory assembled product. Yeah. And, the, the, and there's nothing wrong with that, to be absolutely movie, clear. The movie captures, it's one of those movies where, where, where the plot of the movie kind of captures what the movie itself is. You know, yeah. it, it's, 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 um, it's a, it's a, rec- it's a recursive. Yeah, um, it's movie. a Ford versus Ferrari movie where you are rooting for Ford. You are rooting for the assembly line, mass-produced, American-manufactured, like factory standard default model. Yeah, over by the committee, more, by, yeah. designed by committee, over the more artisanal, less profit-motivated, more carefully crafted, calibrated, hand-designed, you yeah. know, intricately put for the beauty of itself object, which is is a very fascinating conflict. Yeah. It is a movie that kind of knows what it is and is art arguing for itself if that makes sense yeah and it also it's strange as well because it 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 has moments where it 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 attempts to put across some sort of idealism um literally yeah and i i mean that in the philosophical sense and it just kind of falls flat because that is Patently, not what this <laughs> the is. movie believes. This, yeah. the, um, I I um, enjoyed this movie, but it's it it's 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 filmed by 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 colors. That, yeah, that's it exactly. Like I would I would agree with that. I think that there is like this belongs in the great racing movie as artistic philosophy canon, along with as we discussed earlier in the year with Grace Rush, but also I would argue the Wachowskis sort of Speed Racer, in that all, both of those movies are about how the people involved approach the act of creating. So and, what's his name? Uh, Emil Hirsch? Yes, yes it was uh, Emil Hirsch, the 250s Emil Hirsch. But yes, so like Speed Racer is all about like how evil the suits are and how you have to push your own vision no matter what. And Rush is more like the Ron Howard, like, you know what? Maybe the nerd should be listened to. And this is very much the James Mangold style, which is like, bring a little bit of flair, 
but not too much flair and understand that you're working in a kind of a corporate system. So it's don't push the too amount far. of movies that are about themselves. Yes. Yes. Because yes. we talked about uh, um, at length about Inception. It's <laughs> a movie that is about movie making. Yeah, um, yeah. And about the function that movies have and stuff like that. I don't think this is quite that deep, to be honest. It's a movie within a movie. Yeah, that's it, exactly. So yeah, I would agree with you. I don't think that this belongs on the 250. I think that like Rush fulfills pretty much every function that this has on the 250. And and is also better. I yes, think. I, would, yeah. I would concur with that as well. And then second question, Andrew, which is, and I suspect we know the answer to this one, is would Ford versus Ferrari make your own personal two fifty? Uh, no, no. It's it's um, as I say, I did I did enjoy it quite a bit, but in in the ways in which it was trying to appeal to me, first of all, I guess it didn't go far enough, and uh, secondly, I didn't believe it when it did. And, Those moments and, of idealism, you yeah, talk yeah, about and and the the other thing about it is that these movies are very um uh stupid um, <laughs> um they're uh, silly they're 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 movies about something that's very dumb and i think rush maybe gets that across better than this this does at times but i think if for me if you're going to make this kind of movie about something so stupid then you, you the the awareness of that needs 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 to kind of hit a point without 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 kind of undermining the diehards the people for whom this isn't a stupid thing <laughs> because it is it it's 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 um it's, um, it's Andrew turn to the left for twenty four hours <laughs> Quinn yeah I I may, may, maybe like will I talk now about why it's so stupid. We should probably explain this now, yes. We should yeah, probably, yeah. I suspect it's probably good to do this It's now. like Matt Damon jumping in a tiny little sports car. And going... <laughs> and, 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 and but it's Andrew, like there's a point. 7,000 7, revs RPM. per minute. Uh, yeah, that's when you come. This is uh, such a kind of uh, male... Um, oh yeah, well you, ha- you like have Katrina nonsense. Bell showing up as Molly Scoop. talking about the vibrations. Plead another like uh, sublimation <laughs> for 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 uh, I don't know, and I, I I just I I I find it a bit pathetic. All That's all where of you the meet yourself, all of all of the car stuff. Then yeah. and, and I I I I liked uh, Rush a lot because it kind of I think it did a better job. Of well, uh, getting across point, how yeah. how how stupid. Well, Nicky Lauda at one was. point points out that if he could do anything else as good as race car driving, he would do it. He just happens to be good at race car driving. Yeah, which is I think went a long way in your assessment. Whereas yeah, James Hunt um, at the same time is much more open about his own and know, it, and it, there, his own desires as a result of that, or what he wants from it, as opposed to describing it as like some profound calling or need. Yeah, plus like James Hunt was getting and 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 Nicky Lauda, they were they were like both getting their whole throughout the whole. <laughs> entire movie but uh, but um the the but this this is a movie about cars as a uh, replacement for masculinity it is well it's actually worth noting again we're probably not going to delve too deeply into the differences in how the story diverges from reality it's notable that like over the course of his of the you know the time period covered by the film carol shelby was actually married and divorced twice Right. Um, and that never comes up at all. There's no. no mention of Carol Shelby's family or anything like that. And you do get a bit of Ken Miles' family, but that seems to be there 
for emotional leverage. We won't talk yeah, too much about that, but in terms it's of very purpose, kind of by the numbers, wholesome, also, yeah. conventional sort like of the like, trailer for this movie convinced me that I wasn't going to go see it. Yeah. But then lo and behold, what happened? It made the two fifty. Made the two fifty, and I'm glad I did. I'm yeah. glad I did see it. Um, but no, it wouldn't be on my two fifty. What about you, Darren? Um, I would probably be a bit less harsh about race car driving than you would i mean people enjoy what they enjoy and all that sort of stuff i, I, I don't think i'm being that harsh i i, I don't like i i'll enjoy it as much as uh, as the next person but it's really like it's really quite stupid like the idea that it's meant to be cool like matt damon yeah, jumping into, into a sports in, car and car driving like, recklessly yes and, then, and, yeah, and, and reversing and zigging yeah, and zagging it's and, exactly the kind of thing that that makes young men kind of get out and drive cars into in really people. dangerous ways yeah. yes and that's fair i suppose and but i think it's uh, not only stupid but like, and this this is this is generally darren's place <laughs> to be the moral guardian <laughs> to be the, the, yeah or to be like oh i don't know won't somebody think that's of the children of, yeah but it, it it's it's the kind of um machismo of it and there's no actual kind of um substance to this machismo it's just the person's foot on a accelerator with a machine that was you know that was yeah that could that could kill them as soon as kill somebody else yes it's like a person running out around with a gun and i think as men we're meant to be kind of like um excited by all that stuff and we are but you need to kind of acknowledge how stupid it is uh, that that is probably a bit fair. That uh, that I would probably acknowledge just a little bit. Um, although I do think that there is an element of fantasy. I enjoyed this and, movie. Yeah, no, yeah, no. and and I also really enjoyed this movie. It won't make my own personal two fifty. Um, it may make my top forty of the year, if only because I had such a good time with it. But it's it's not going to be. It's a movie that I will flick through on television find on at the wee hours of the morning and probably end up leaving on reminding me a lot of baby <laughs> driver yeah, i've watched baby driver 13 times and i've never actually stuck it on i've never actually had like made a conscious choice to watch baby driver i've just been flicking through the channels and it's on and i'm like this is enjoyable i'm gonna stick with this i can see ford versus ferrari kind of fulfilling that function um and sort of like being like well it's on television it's enjoyable. I like you. Hey, know. listen. It's on television. I'm counting how many times I've seen it for some reason. <laughs> I have committed to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, now yeah. I can say 14. Yeah. If I were to hesitate, that would be a sign of weakness, Andrew. Yeah. If I were yeah. to change the channel now, I'll have lost. Hey, it's on. I'm not doing anything else. I'm Darren. So for some reason, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> um, let's the, do this. It's the sunk cost fallacy. Like, if I... If, if I if I don't flick now, I'll have wasted the 30 seconds it took me to yeah. figure out what it is. Oh, no. Now this it's 45 is, seconds. This has become a thing. I'm and- paralyzed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I have no choice. I'm overthinking it. Uh, best just surrender to it. Yeah, but I can see myself basically sitting down and watching it and enjoying it and like having a good time with it. I think it, it's I think it's very well made. I think it's what it's doing. It's keenly aware of what it's doing and it does all of it very well. We'll talk in the spoiler zone about some of that because some of that stuff is, you know, maybe not ideal it doesn't necessarily push or do anything interesting it's just like i'm, I'm not yeah. uh, uh, just to kind of maybe roll back slightly i'm not like clutching my pearls yeah. or anything about about kind of like oh it's irresponsible to have a fast car movie i, like, I love the idea that we have I, joker on the list and Andrew is kind of like, um, but yeah yeah the, the, people were too worried about joker but not worried enough about ford ferrari <laughs> um, no, pe- but it, like no, it's a fair point, I, a bit of I, like a cultural, a broader there, cultural thing about there how was, we there, was, there were moments of that sort. Of, no, anyway, we'll we'll talk about it in I yeah, guess in the, in, the in, in, in the spoiler zone. But 
would you recommend that people watch this? Yeah. Um, I mean, particularly if you would have you recommend a- that you watch this yes, again um, for the fifth time, baby. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, if you have a fondness, like being honest, you probably know from the description whether or not you're going to be drawn to it. It is arguably um, out of the box, old fashioned awards fair. It is the story of two men who are doing something that they're very good at and have to find a way to get past those Weasley suits. Yeah. And show those suits. Just how, yeah. The trailer literally plays "Give Me Shelter." Children, <laughs> yeah. Um, just which, a shadow. And it's like, by the way, no more movies are allowed to use "Give Me Shelter" anymore. It's banned. Um, I, well, I, even I, I, Scorsese's latest the, one doesn't. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the same thing with "Immigrant Song." From uh, uh, Led Zeppelin. But it's not allowed to kind of like make people go see your movie (laughs) just because you put that in in, in, in In the the trailer. trailer, Like catnip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's like try harder. Um, But you you know exactly what Ford versus Ferrari, the man 66, is going to give you. You know exactly. It's like going back and saying it was 1960 blah. And then it's like going down 110th Street. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or fortunate son when you're in Vietnam. Yeah, there are certain audio cues that kind of like serve a particular purpose. It's like, give uh, me, yeah, it's just give so me shelters. There's so much music from that era. Pick something else that hasn't been used before. Like help people discover yeah. some lost gem of that like Phil Spector kind of um yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, again, you know exactly what you're going Phil to get. Spectre needs the money. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh. Join us. You know what's crazy? I guarantee you in about two years, we'll be talking about the Michael Jackson biopic on this podcast. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, you know exactly what you're going to get from Ford v. Ferrari. Like, so... I would recommend it if it sounds like the kind of movie you'd enjoy because it will be the kind of movie you enjoy. Whereas if it doesn't sound like the kind of movie you enjoy, it will probably be the kind of movie that you end up rolling your eyes at. But what about you, Andrew? Would you recommend it? I would recommend it. I'd also recommend that uh, a Kanye West film that he made. What was it called? But th- that song did Turn Off The Lights! <laughs> He has like a parade <laughs> with a um, sort this of took a, a turn. <laughs> yeah, with a with a with a with a float where it's Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, what have I done? Yeah, what have, yeah. what have I unleashed? Yeah, so the, the, the definitely Kanye is going to help uh, get the uh, Jacko uh, bio, oh, no, bio, biopic made. It's a- what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. No, I wasn't. I wasn't being facetious. They announced today. I thought you were just predicting that no, this might happen. No, no, I'm predicting that it'll make the list. It's going to happen. Oh I'm, goodness! I'm predicting it will make the list. <laughs> will it get caught in production hell? <laughs> I love that the, the, the one time like, that you're actually like Michael hopeful. Jackson is an actual <laughs> hell. Yeah. I love that. I love that we're actually rooting for a production hell here. Um, all right then. So join us on the other side of the spoiler zone. So, Andrew, what is Ford versus Ferrari about for you? Well, it's about it's about men, <laughs> ostensibly, and penises with <laughs> motors in them. Ostensibly, it's about kind of there being a perfect 
expression of a thing that gets diluted and polluted and corrupted by the um, kind of the, the masses or by a committee. It's very, it's a very um, kind of on the surface platonic message because he he he's he's he 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 walks out onto a track at one point. Uh, by the way, this is Christian Bale's character, um, Ken, Ma- Miles. Ken Miles. Um, walks out on a track with his son uh, Peter, and talks about the perfect lap. Talks about the perfect lap, the 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 the, the platonic ideal of a of a lap, something that per, per, perhaps doesn't exist in 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 the real world, where um where you have all of this kind of um where things are um mediated, yeah, where factors exist outside of your control, exactly, where there's people diluting it. Where there are factors that exist outside of the lap itself that exactly. have to be taken into account. Other and, then, drivers and then you or... think about the last days of Socrates and how they, <laughs> uh, it was like a, a, a democratic vote that, and then you that, pull my finger. that put him to death. And then you pull my finger. Yeah, exactly. So that is part of kind of what the movie kind of um, is about. sort of nominally about. But I don't think it's really about that. It's about how compromise and making money and being like becoming your dad isn't such a bad thing that's exactly what it's about it's, yeah it's amazing because it is it is a movie about being creative it's a movie anomaly as you described about the ideal of the perfect lap it's a story about ford versus ferrari right but like the two, the way the movie defines the two companies is interesting right yeah because immediately uh, Ferrari, who are very much like an absent presence here, they they exist almost, you know, as a void or a vacuum. What little characterization they receive is given via exposition. They're mostly like featured in frame with characters that we care about wearing sunglasses or nodding hats or making derisive remarks in a foreign language. They're not really active players. But what we hear about Ferrari is that they are artisans. They are yeah. people who care about craftsmanship. They There's make no... their engines one at a time. They make the transistors one at a time. One person, one person working on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a the moment where Lee Iacocco, who gets quite the glow up here, played by John by Barenthal. Way, 250 tropes. <laughs> are we doing that now? <laughs> yeah, Go yeah. I'm going to quickly run through them. Okay, there, let's run through there, them. There, there, there is inappropriate smoking. There's a man smoking in a garage. <laughs> <laughs> where we've seen several people go on fire yeah several people go on fire there 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 is also food waste because you 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 have a fight scene where there's a packet of wonder bread and the ice cream gets uh squashed gets squashed yeah yeah i thought that 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 was by the way uh since we're talking about that the closest the movie came to kind of lampooning how stupid men are but it also kind of like will give a lot of uh, men a hard-on to go out and have a fight in the parking lot. Um, we should but... point out that, like, not five <laughs> minutes after that scene ended, and I love that Andrew knows where this story is going, not five five minutes after that scene ended, Andrew attempted a llama bite on me. Like, I didn't the attempt scene... a llama bite. I put, my, I put my fingers where a llama might bite. And um, wait, waiting for you to, uh, to 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 spring into action and fight me, <laughs> which you did. So the the yeah. So who's the real fool here? Yeah, let's like, just get the uh, story straight. straight. I I did I didn't perform a llama bite on you. I was preparing to, to preemptively. Uh, yeah, I was threatening one. Yeah. yeah. So tell us again about how stupid <laughs> men are. <actually. laughs> Delightfully stupid. 
Um, it is worth noting again after Dangal ended, Andrew suggested clearing all the furniture out of the way so that we could wrestle. I will fight you, Darren. <laughs> we why don't we do it next year for charity? <laughs> it's probably healthier than what we'll we did do last warrior. year. <laughs> Actual MMA match. Yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll mic ourselves up while yeah. we're in the. In between rounds, we will talk about oh, the movie. Not during rounds. It's like, and I think Joe Dinnerman's character is going to... No, no we'll, we'll have colour commentary during the rounds. And then, like, we'll come back and, and kind of, like, speak to both of us, like, with, 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 with cats, where they're, they're not talking about what just happened. They're talking <laughs> about... The Warrior. The Warrior, the movie, yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, a, 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 um, we can't even say... Uh, we can't say blue-collar... Uh, uh, sorry, is it white-collar boxing? White-collar <laughs> boxing. Yeah, I guess we are white-collar. Um, yeah, anyway, so the 250 the tropes. 250 tropes. The next one is the obligatory Robocop reference. Lee Iacocca Elementary School is where they sent um, uh, Robocop to um, uh, meet and, and, and greet the children. And uh, yeah, Lee Iacocca is in this movie and gets such. <laughs> he really does get such a flattering portrayal. Yeah. Played by John Bernthal. He's like the patron saint of American capitalism, basically. Because yeah. he was the head of Ford Motors and the head of Chrysler in, yeah. in his career as well. He's, you know, one of the most massively influential figures in American automotive history. And this is almost like his kind Responsible of for, sorry this is like I, watching this is like i can't defame him right he's dead he's dead oh yeah yeah i, th- I believe um i'm just going to say <laughs> he is as if it's true that he his uh, uh, policies i mean when you're in charge of a motor company i'm sure you have to make decisions all the time that are going to cause people's lives um in order to make money but yeah, the, 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 the way I think of Lee Iacocca is that he, he, was, he was responsible for the kind of safety uh, doesn't sell. And the doing the kind of the like, figures. Oh, yeah. And crunching up and yeah, figuring out. Figure, figuring out how much like a, a death is um, costs the bottom their line. bottom line. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's, and, our, he's and, our hero and, here. Yeah. And not, not, not doing a, a, a recall. On, I think it was the the Ford. Anyway, there was some Ford car that kept exploding. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that that's what I think of when I think of Lee Lee, Lee Iacocca. But he has uh, he has been very influential. He's written kind of books on kind of leadership and management and that sort of thing. And yeah, he's 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 yeah. Well, that, that, that kind of gets at one of the more interesting aspects of Ford versus Ferrari. And this is the thing that you described as the conflict that exists. Because you do have this, like, artisanal Ferrari thing. You have, like, as he's described by Lee Iacocco, um, you know, Ennio Ferrari spent every lira that he had chasing perfection. And you know what? He got there. Or, yeah. you know, Enzo Ferrari will go down in history as the greatest car maker. Why? Is it because he made his, all the cars? Uh, I think that's a direct quote, all the cars. But um, <laughs> you have this idea that, like, the movie sets well, up this idea that, like, Ferrari are craftsmen and they love the art and they're offended they're by European, the craft. They're yeah. European. And they make, like, the um, these um, these kind of seminal, <laughs> um, kind of incredible, uh, life-changing movie for, for intellectuals. And, um, and meanwhile, there's the big, fat American... <laughs> Uh, Henry Ford II, who 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 is who is a movie producer, not because he's good at producing movies, but because his father had a lot of money. 
or a grandfather. Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. So we do. It's like a perfect kind of um, Hollywood sort of. Uh, yeah. That's it. Like you have the idea that you have these like independent kind of uh, European productions that are great, well reviewed, and beloved by like critics and like seen as being great and exotic and They're loved by young there. people. And it's like, but they cost less than the toilet paper budget on you know. I don't know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yeah, back here in America, we have all this Ellison money. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so you have this kind of... And what's interesting is that Ford versus Ferrari goes very much, pretty much all in on Ford, like, as a philosophy. Like, the entire point of the movie is that Carol Shelby, who is, you know, he's the kind I of Matt Damon character. I think evil in it. I think, I think more companies should lean in. To being evil. Well, apparently that was a, that was an issue. One of the reasons why that it's called Le Mans International is because they couldn't get the trademark rights to Ford. And the reason that was in Europe, was in Europe uh, or outside of America, because and the issue is that uh, Ford were quote concerned unquote <laughs> they found by it the, challenging by by the by the portrayal of um, Henry Ford II and Leo Beebe. Um, they felt that that was an unflattering portrayal of their sort of corporate. Can we just have three Iacocas? <laughs> Instead of a Lee Iacocca. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's quite nice. I like that. But yeah, Lee I thought I- you'd like that. I'm starting to change the way I talk in order, in order to-, to kind of fit. I the, want the the podcast to really sing. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So like, and and you have this idea of like re- I'm making tra- it worse. Like <laughs> <laughs> this. Uh, this is like what the movie is. Um, yeah. But like, so you have the idea that like again. You mean you want to slow it down? <laughs> so. Um, you have like Ken Miles and you know he's talking about the perfect lap and you have Carol Shelby who's helping design cars but is understanding that you have to compromise and then you have Ford and like why you have Leo Beebe who is like the most amazingly cynical corporate suit he's like a sentient corporate suit it's like they could have just started a suit and put like a a people face on it and it would have had the same function he says things like we need a Ford driver for a Ford car or I really need Ken to be a team player on this but it's one. All about him. Yeah, oh, it's all yeah. about it's all about BB. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's, it's, it's got not, It doesn't. With, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with, with, with Ford with or Ford or with the brand yeah. or with the company because the company is represented by Lee Iacocco. He's the guy who has the vision of protecting Ford. He's the guy who has the vision of protecting the company and keeping going forward. And I mean, even if you have any awareness of the company's history, you know why Iacocco is going to go on to be like the face of Ford or the mind of Ford or the future of Ford. So having him presented in this movie as a guy who's cool, because he, he's the guy who like when Miles and when Shelby do something that's just a little bit provocative, you have the shot of BB and you have the shot of Iacocca next but to each other. And very little BB, to say throughout the, yeah. the, 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 the rest of the movie. He's like, um, we're we're going to back you 100%. And for, for the rest of it, he's like, sorry, nothing I can do. Yeah, he just sort of stands in the corner. Sorry. Like, there's the, there's the, the most moment where like after yeah because there's a the moment and where he's like but but when things work out i'm really going to be rooting for you yeah yeah just no, want you to know i'll be right beside you when you win yeah yeah no 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 that if i'm not supporting you it's because <laughs> i have no courage it's because you're losing yeah yeah and i i would support you if it didn't mean my ass so I'm not going to. Yeah. Cause, but you had those like shots where like BB's really upset that Miles and, and Shelby are doing their own thing. And then you have the reaction shot of Iacocco who takes off his sunglasses and says, well, isn't that something? Or like the bit where Henry Ford and BB are arguing and Iacocco's like, you can't ask him to do that, right? What are you going to do? Ask him to slow down? Because uh, it's like, Iacocco, he's a good guy, but not right. too good. No. 
No, to be absolutely clear, he's just the right amount of good. And it's kind of like, it's... Yeah, it's a... he, he, he's not going to go off message. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not going to say something stupid. Um, he's, he's, he's a Ford man behind the wheel of a Ford racing product. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting... He'll only tell his boss <laughs> that his boss is fat when his boss tells him to tell him that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a poet and I don't know it. Yeah. Um, but you, you have that... Uh, but you have that sense of like just enough creativity because that that's the thing about it because you have this idea that you mass produce these things like even that idea of By the perfect way. lap right because even the idea of the perfect lap that you're mentioning that is a result of like an iterative process it's a like the Le Mans 66 race that is is at the center of this movie is not about being the fastest it's not about being the best it's about being the most reliable and the most consistent and keeping it under control repeatedly throughout you have characters who are told not to push the car further than it will go the reason that Ford wins over Ferrari at the end is because Ferrari pushed the car further than it will go whereas Miles understands exactly how far he can take it it's like the young man who uh goes and like spends all his uh his money um going out for 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 drinks with 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 girls versus the 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 young man who gets a job as soon as he can and like purchases a house and kind of has all of the kind of responsible um things taken care of so that ultimately he is the one that 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 will be chosen um which one of us is the Iacocco in the scenario? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a metaphor? <laughs> I don't know. Um, it feels like it was. But yeah, it's like, so you have this 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 kind of weird idea. And this is where I get at it being kind of like... it's. I say? We're not talking about... Oh, sorry. Never mind. But like that that's the thing about this movie is that like, like Rush, like I argued that Rush is an auteur statement from, you know, Ron Howard, which amounts to... Well, maybe you should be responsible or careful and not reckless. Maybe you should just like be yeah. aware of your surroundings and not push things too far or make it too uncomfortable. I wonder if you. Yeah, could... I don't know those those guys on on Happy Days. They they really did have a lot of fun, and I'd like to be a part of that. But um, I would I I know I I just couldn't stay up that late. Yeah, um, I had to get home and have my cocoa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With Liaya Coco. Um, but no, sorry. Uh, we're going loco with Liaya Coco. Um, anyway. No. No, no, we're not. Um, but yeah, but as, uh, and no. I wonder if you could make an argument for Ford versus Ferrari as a James Mangold style kind of approach to authorship. Because Mangold is a director who's been working for a very long time. He's worked for over 20 years in the industry. He's done a variety of like really well-received and awards-nominated films, including like Copland, which is probably my favorite Mangold film, but stuff like, say, Girl Interrupted. Aaron Copland's uh, biopic. <laughs> but even even things like, say, for example, um, you know, uh, Walk the Line is a big one, but even Logan, to, to pick another example. Like, Mangold has done a lot of work that's been very well-received, but he's not really thought of as an auteur in the way that say you know uh, Spielberg is or like in the way that Zemeckis is or who like the way that ca- who cares no, like, I... snooze I, I, I yeah. know what I'm getting there Andy. yeah yeah and I I, 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 I I realize that that's the point you're getting to but they're, they're like by I... talking about how there's such a kind of a focus on lionizing or sorry um, kind of celebrating uh, auteurism yeah um, we, like why yeah 
and and part of me wonders if this can be read as a as a response to that because it's like it feels like and Mangold has talked about this himself in interviews like what drew him to it is the argument that he really identified with the character of Shelby um, and the character who has to mediate between these two extremes who has to like pull back between like the uh, you know the ambitious style that he the things that he wants to do versus the things that he knows he can get past studios and executives I mean like again the common reading of the movie is that you know it's it's a metaphor for making movies there's the sequence where I think Richard Brody uh, to pick an example in um, The New Yorker you know made a comparison to the sequence where Shelby takes out Henry Ford II in the car to let him get let him let Ken Miles drive the car he compared that to say Francis Ford Coppola convincing Paramount to let him cast Al Pacino in The Godfather you know despite the fact that he wasn't considered markable or, or bankable or whatever you know uh, he's also made the comparison he's talked about like the sequences where Shelby is you know watching the race car and giving instructions but talking to himself and you'll cut to Ken Miles in the race car making the same decisions it's like hold 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 and now go and the two of them moving in sync even though there's no direct communication to them Brody himself has described that as similar to watching Martin Scorsese working with say uh, Leonardo DiCaprio where you have a similar sort of almost understanding the two of them are on the same page the extent that they don't necessarily need conventional direction or interaction but yeah you have this idea that Shelby represents this idea of director who can work within the corporate system who can be a team player who can play along and kind of do this stuff because Mangold's career is I very... I take it back. <laughs> Let's have more auteurism. No, <laughs> no but, but like, because that's the thing, is that like, for a director like that, because Ken Miles is described as a journeyman right. early in the movie. And you he could, is, yeah. And you could argue that, you know, that Mangold is a journeyman because he's not talked about in those terms. But it, the lap, the discussion of the perfect lap, where you, you keep doing it, because the thing about Le Mans is it's not a race to the finish line. It's not a race where you have to go faster than anybody else or overtake anybody else. It's about being steady, working steadily. <laughs> And working reliably and working consistently. And like, you know, Miles... It's also about going faster. It is also. Yes, fair point. <laughs> but... it's not, and I forget <laughs> that... that, that um... Yeah, it, 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 let's not try and fit it exactly into the kind of message that you want Fair. from a movie. <laughs> Fair point. Um, but like, but it, it, plodding along. <laughs> Ambling, as it were. Um, but yeah, but it, okay, but it, it's like the perfect lap is something he does, you know, several thousand laps of the course and he only manages one perfect lap. You know, and it happens almost by sheer chance. The perfect alignment of elements. You know, any number of those laps that go wrong earlier in the race, or, you know, some of them are slower. Some of them he has to take a, a kind of, he has to sit out on. And Mangold's talked about that as a director working on a project, never knowing whether that project is going to be the perfect project, even though you've made movies before. And you just hope, like, a conveyor belt system will eventually produce something that is exceptional or magic or wonderful. It's a funny thing because there is no such thing as a perfect lap. As in, like, if a car were only able to do, like, 20 um, miles per hour, then the the, the you, you'd, you'd, the geometry or the, or, the, the, or the, what do you call it, the trigonometry of, of, of kind of the perfect lap for that would, would, would be kind of like, um, how, how are you going to drive this car around as, at, as close to 20 <laughs> as you possibly can without kind of losing it on the turns? Yeah. And then it's like when you take it up to kind of 230. <laughs> kind of yeah, emulate yeah. that exactly. This, he didn't drive the perfect lap because the next year <laughs> there was a car that could take it to 240. <laughs> and the year after that. Yeah, the yeah. But, but, but the problem with that car that do, did 240 is it, it would spin out. And, and, <laughs> and it, it, it was too much for the brakes. 
But then the year after, they had better brakes. And so, and so you have this idea of compromise. I'm pretty sure yeah. cars have driven that <laughs> Le Mans faster. <laughs> than um, 10 miles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I mean, and that's the sort of like thing that the, the movie's getting at. And I kind of wonder, and this is kind of... <laughs> <laughs> That is the sound that Darren makes when he wonders. Um, <laughs> I pulled his finger. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wonder, part of me wonders if, again, you can read this as an analogy, again, like for the defense of the studio system, because we talked about it on the podcast before about stuff like, say, the emergence of Netflix and the shifting studio model and the anxieties that people feel. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. We've talked about it before. Okay. You don't have to say we've talked about it before before you say something that we've talked about ten times. Okay. I remember. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, sorry, no, no. I'm I'm being I'm being a dick. Go but ahead. But my, my point my point is more that like so, you know, we've had movies that have dealt with stuff like say the, the emergence of streaming and we've had Netflix movies coming into the list, and we will probably in the next couple of weeks have, say, the Irishman coming into the list, which is Martin Scorsese's big gangster epic that is three and a half hours long, that cost hundred and seventy million and was completely unfinanceable within the modern studio system by a major theatrical studio. It had to be taken to Netflix, and Netflix did give it a studio, uh, give, did give it a cinematic release. Or it could be taken to China, um, but it would be a very different movie. It would probably be a very different movie. But like, what's it's inter- all about China? It would be called the China Man, <laughs> which I think is a. Um, are we allowed to say that? Um, Probably not. It depends on the... I imagine it's context sensitive. It would depend on the context. But my, yeah. my, my, my I don't think Scorsese allowed to say <laughs> No, that. I don't think Scorsese can get away with it. But my point is more that like, you know, we mentioned at the start of the podcast that this is the kind of movie that you don't really see that much of anymore, particularly getting a major studio release. This is incidentally going to be one of the last major releases by 20th Century Fox. Um, it's one of the last press screenings organized in Ireland by 20th Century Fox. Um, although Disney will be keeping the 20th Century Fox brand and have announced several release dates for... I hope on- they do, because when the movie started, like, I don't think Fox movies are particularly... Um, any better than any, any other better studio. than any other studio. But when it goes... Dum, dum, yeah. Dum, dum. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, the, the fanfare is amazing. Um, but yeah, Disney... It's great. Keep that. <laughs> and just go everything else. Like, because all the, the like, Mar- Marvel... Used, used to you be, mentioned the uh, flicking of comic pages yeah, as something yeah. that you really liked. You, but but now I think since um, around the tenth anniversary, yeah, so last it's starting year, to get lame because it's it's celebrating the movies rather than the comics, sort of yeah, thing, yeah, 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 rather than evoking that nostalgia. But again, this is the thing with so don't lameify Fox. Also, it's lame enough. <laughs> Well, yes, yes, the market has taken care of that. Yeah. Um, but you have this, again, you can read this almost as an analogy for that, but the idea that like this will be one of the last movies distributed as a Fox project that would have originated in Fox. Because there's some suggestion that now that Disney have bought Fox, what they're going to do is they're going to turn it into an intellectual property sort of like growing house. They're going to make movies like they're going to reboot Planet of the Apes under it. They're going to reboot, say, Alien and Predator under it. All these marketable properties. Simpsons? Uh, I don't know if they're going to reboot that so much as keep it running. But you have this idea that, yeah, so basically that stuff is going to be kind of what More Fox... Simpsons movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that the Simpsons movie is one of the 10 highest grossing movies of all time at the Irish box office. Uh, yeah. What, what, Mamma Mia? Yeah, Mamma Mia is well. in there as well. Joker, I think, is currently seventh and climbing. Which it's made is, a billion, hasn't it? Has, it has, yeah. Um, and it's a massive success. Not as well. <laughs> uh, No, not that single-handedly in Ireland. Uh, everybody in the country has gone to see it 20 times. But no, I mean, um, but more more to the point, though, like you can see that anxiety simmering through Ford versus Ferrari because obviously it's set against the backdrop of the Ford sales slump. 
right. um, in you know the, the early 60s. Like the establishing scene for Henry Ford II, who's played by Tracy Letts, who is fantastic. I actually really like Tracy Letts in this. Um, I particularly like his reaction to you that. You don't really establish what that sales slump is about, as a result yeah, of. Or what the context is. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, again, it's like the... the um, <laughs> America has never had it so good. We've got all these 17-year-olds who have money for the first time in the history of the world and our sales have slumped. Yeah. And, and I love Why, that, like, though? And, and being, I think Chrysler are the only ones who are blamed. At all, and even mentioned... Because they're like um, Johnny-come-lately... Late to the game, Chrysler, who who for some reason make better cars. No, but they're still crap. But they're still yeah, they're, they're, they're still better than miles, Ford. Yeah. By the um, way, I grew. I I just want to say I grew up with 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 Ford to 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 a great extent with 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 Ford Mondeos and Ford Escorts, and I remember really wanting there to be a Ford Scorpio. At some point, I, 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 I really I was really hoping that my dad would get a Ford Scorpio at some point because the lights on the back of a Ford Scorpio were were, um, were really cool. And, and you would see a lot of them in the 90s and we've never seen them since. And my mom had a Fiesta, an orange Ford Fiesta from I think it was as old as I was, which at the time wasn't very old, but it was still a little bit too old. For a car. <laughs> for a car. Yeah. Um, for a person, yeah, old yeah. for a car. And I I, I, I think um, I I really, uh, it was orange. Which is a confident color. What? Which is a confident color. A very confident color. And I think it was matte as well. And oh. and there were, there were uh, parts of it where it was kind of rusting. And um, it, 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 I... I always say that if there was a Quinn family museum, that the Ford Fiesta would, would be the centerpiece. Would be in there somewhere. Okay. Yeah, definitely. But um, but yeah. So for, for, for Ford does mean a, a lot to me in my childhood. But the, the, yeah, you're right that they mentioned. There's like again, this is so much committed to the. Do idea you want of, to say anything of, about that <laughs> of the capitalist system? But it is it is so committed to this idea of American factory assemble capitalism that you're right. There's no sense of. So what's the reason we're not selling, despite the fact that there's more money out there? I don't know. Like, BB, like, BB raises the point, like, Lee, your sales team presided over the greatest sales loss in the history of American industry. You really have no place to be here. But because BB's an asshole, the film's like, we don't have to answer that question. Like, no. He, like, that question's completely out of line. Lee is like, I'm a complete fraud. <laughs> yeah. um, it's because we've been John thinking Bernthal. wrong. Yeah. It's because our thinking has been wrong. I was wrong, and I should lose my job for that. But now I'm right. <laughs> Just so trust le- me. let's trust me. Yeah. <laughs> the person who was wrong. <laughs> Apparently consistently long enough to like, dr- drive us into an incredible decline. But again, like that... You convinced me, Lee. I like your hair <laughs> and your suit. And you're, and you're tall <laughs> and well-built. And played by John Bernthal. I'll follow you <laughs> anywhere. Yeah. You yeah. aren't the bad guy in the Hulk. I trust you. Yeah. Um, but you have this idea that kind of like runs runs through the film in terms of like that portrayal because it is. It seems like the film is almost arguing for it's. It's arguing for itself. You pointed this out before we got into the spoiler zone. Yeah. Like, and it's arguing for itself as a bit of old fashioned crowd pleasing kind of awards fair. It's all factory assembled. The movie is as 
assembled, like as mechanically, as carefully put together as a Ford, as built to kind of specifications as a Ford. You can like, watching the film, you can predict not only the, the exact plot of the film, like from the outset, you know, yeah. but you can also predict individual shots. You have the concerned family leaning over the radio as the last lap is about to happen. Yeah. You have... Messing you know, with the Italians. Yeah, you have the like, uh, playful uh, prank involved. Yeah, with the... With the Love not. Yeah, and with the stopwatches, yeah. and they look over, and it's like, check out those Italians. I really suck it to them. And they're all like, babbity boopity. Babbity boopity. And they're very expressive, in case you don't get what they're saying. Yeah, and they point yeah. to where the stopwatches like, are. In case you don't get what they're saying, <laughs> yeah. are that they're Italian. Yeah, we're going to make that as clear to you as possible. But, I mean, even even things like, say, for example, the shot of, like, the camera whirling past Matt Damon as the car moves across the finish line, the tracking shot as he moves out onto the field, the close ups of kind of you know uh, christian bale's face the low angle shots of the race cars everything in this movie is exactly where it should be for this to be the kind of movie that it is it is not as carefully crafted as a ferrari it is put together exactly per specifications like a ford and and it gives you what you want as well exactly. there, there there was a tension in uh, rush in that it probably didn't give people as much driving yeah. As um as as, as 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 one would want yeah. in a driving movie, um but the that was that was because it was a better movie, not yeah. because it was a worse movie. Yeah, but this this gives you exactly as much driving as 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 you kind of well, want. Mangold's description as a, of it as a reverse Saving Private Ryan, where he put all the action at the end, sums that up. Because once you hit Daytona, it's a solid 45 minutes of kind of race car driving and low angle shots. <laughs> I look, and, I'm thinking kind of, oh, there's still another 24 hours to go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and you have like the, the, the Marco Beltrami score, which apparently, apparently the score is actually set to the engine, the sound of the engine. There was, and there the, was 10 the minutes in this movie for every hour <laughs> in, in Le Mans. Mans yeah. yeah. Um, but like, what's interesting though is the- so he's 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 like uh, 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 Chris, Christopher. Um- Are you going to say that Matt Damon's character is like Christopher Walken's character in Pulp Fiction with that uncomfortable hunk of metal? Is it? No, different no, stopwatch. I, I, um, I was going to say that Mangold is like Christopher Nolan, and <laughs> that he wanted time. <laughs> he wanted to make a, 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 a movie that w- that was that that Sculpting is a, time. a fraction <laughs> of the length of of Le Mans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, ten minutes, one hour. Um, yeah, exactly. But you have this kind of like, but even like, what really def- what really in like fascinates me about this movie as an argument for itself is that it not only does it kind of argue for factory assembly build specification assembled american capitalism mass-produced studio films like this you know like everything in its proper place but the sheer amount of contempt that it has for like the artisanal craftsmanship of the italians like the sheer resentment that it has and again i wonder if maybe i'm reading too much into it but that feels very much like the way the studios react to movies to studios coming in like say netflix or amazon and entering the kind of competitive race because they have it's also a movie with two stars like yes 
very much oh. kind of like like uh, um, you know uh, what do, what do we need? Come on, come on, come on! Yeah, old fashioned. It's yeah, like give, yeah. a, give us a movie star uh, and give us an actor. Who are, who are the men in this one? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And concerned wife. We have to cast concerned because again, this is again factory assembled pieces. Katrina Belfs Molly, who like is literally given scenes of like where she looks concerned or she's shouting. She gets one shouty scene and she you know gets to be supportive. She's ex- like, like she's extremely she's, charming. Yeah, she's in, great in in this. But like that, the role that, is yeah. The role is crying wife. It's very similar to Have you seen the first man thing? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's she's the role. She's like you know one shout of you're just boys playing at being men away from getting an Oscar nomination. Like that's very much where this film is pitching itself. Yeah. Um. But like that- that's what they are. Like there there there's very little kind of there there's there's a small amount of kind of like just look at yourselves there. You idiots! Yeah, but, um, but, not but, really. but but mostly it's 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 kind of like I know that you're an idiot, and I and and I want you to be the best idiot you can be. I, I want you to be happy, and yeah. you being happy means being an idiot. So I'm willing to accept that you're an idiot. Exactly. Um, but yeah, but you will probably die <laughs> <doing> soon, <this>. <laughs> leaving me a widow and your child an orphan. Yeah. Because I imagine I too will die of grief. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um. Like even even outside of that, like the, again, the contempt that it has for the Netflix, the artisanal system, because it's like those those Italians, they don't like they spent money like to make it better, not 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 to make a return on investment. Enzio Enzio Ferrari, he he spent money, but he 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 didn't make a return on his investment. He like just wanted it to be good. What I how do we what? What do we do with this? And the response is, well, we buy them. That's what we try and do. But yeah, again, we buy them with real money. Yeah. Not with that fiat money. Yeah. Like, doloro. Yeah. Um, but again... Like, Jesus, I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> God. Um, but... Do I have to laugh at my own jokes? Welcome to my world, Andrew. <laughs> but you have this... Again, you have this idea that, like, from the... from Now I understand. Now that. you understand Thank how you. I feel. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the movie is so committed to that studio kind of mindset that, like... The idea that you would invest money in something because it has value rather than because it will make you money in the long run um, is completely alien to it. And it reminds me a lot of how people look at, say, Netflix, right? Because, like, one of the things about Netflix that always well, gets asked... They're a company. They are, they, yeah, that's it exactly. They <laughs> take on massive amounts of debt. There's a lot of nonsense right now <laughs> in, in, in kind of... Uh, 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 corporate kind of uh, uh, America. Trump's Dow Jones, you know? Where it's going up and up and up and up, <laughs> but but like that—that's the thing about like because you look at uh, Netflix and what they do is they take on massive amounts of debt in order to produce these movies, yeah, un- and they- <laughs> until they implode and everything is like, <laughs> yeah. But again, like- none of these companies are <laughs> have viable. Models. It's just be- because interest rates are so low, so they're allowed <laughs> to kind of like borrow until forever. <laughs> Or until interest rates change, which they eventually will, because they can't go any lower than they are right. Anyway, sorry, sorry. But no, they, this is not why people are listening to the podcast. But my, my point is more that, like, you look at things. So you have things like Netflix letting Noah Baumbach make a marriage story or letting Scorsese spend $170 million on CGI to make Robert De Niro look younger in a three and a half hour movie. Or letting, as you described, Roma, which is a black and white Spanish mixed tech movie about the director's childhood with no major stars attached to it yeah. which you know c- 
cost a relatively large amount of money for that producing bankrolling and releasing those movies which have no chance of making a profit but it doesn't matter because they're so loaded with debt that they don't have to compete on those terms they're, yeah. even, they're playing a completely different ballgame you game. better win an Oscar and if you don't don't worry just have a fun have a good time <laughs> yeah. next um, year we'll get them yeah um, and I'm kind of like that's one of the things I find interesting about this is that it feels very much like the studio system looking at Netflix and going the hell is going on there? What yeah, are they can doing? Can we have some crazy money? Yeah. Like, let's stop being an industry. <laughs> like, like, can't we just have like a little coffee table and sit down at the end in the little race car museum that we have for these sort of things? And it's because it, 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 <laughs> we're going to change a few things around here. We're we're making Fox an app. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we're diversifying our portfolio. Yeah, uh, it's uh, and it's crypto. <laughs> That's where it's at now. But yeah, like, and I kind the of fox.com coin. Uh, but that, that's it. I, I re- like as as cliche and as old fashioned as Ford versus Ferrari is. I kind of like that it, it is very much like an old man. It's very much you can tell that it's looking side eye at its competitors like The Irishman and A Marriage Story and going, we know how to make movies and this is how we do them. <laughs> This is, this is how we've always done them. And yeah. like, I love that like Henry Ford II... Like, here, here at Fox, we, we have a very simple mission. is to make movies. The way we've been making movies for generations. Because yeah, um, you have that opening scene with Henry Ford II where he's like, I want you to, uh, want you to walk home. And I want, while you're walking, I want you to ruminate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man who comes to my office with an idea tomorrow, but not a dangerous idea. I thought Scorsese was one of ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hear that sound? <laughs> that sound is Fox, is Paramount, losing $80 million on monster trucks and not being able to afford the new Scorsese picture. Um, but yeah, you have this idea of like, you know, China is making, t- <laughs> what is it, Tiger Warrior? Or what was it called? Oh, with Matt Damon. The, no, uh, no, the no. Oh. They, like the, Wolf Warrior. Wolf Warrior. Yeah. Wolf Warrior 2? Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, so you have this idea of like, oh, people looking at a world that's changing and not being entirely sure how to make sense of it, which I like the fact that the movie dramatizes that. Even if it doesn't seem to entirely understand how it works, it understands how it feels about it, which is confused and angry. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like that that bubbles through. Yeah, it's like we're getting... We're, get, um, we're getting we're, in the tailpipe we're from getting, a we're sherry and pola. Yeah, we're getting beaten at something that we've never tried to win at. Uh, by people who are better than us at something that we don't do. Let's do it and beat them, but suck. (laughs) (laughs) Like while winning. Let's also suck. Yeah, let's make sure that nobody has any fun. Let's show that winners can be losers too. Um... But yeah, so it, like in, ter- in terms of, of, of the film itself, actually, because you mentioned the, the movie star thing, actually, which I, I really like, because again, this is a very movie star film. It's a, it's yeah, a two-hander. It made, it made me not want to see it, because it was just kind of like, Christian Bale, Matt Damon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you, Team um, America. Yeah, yeah, you put them in a, in, in a movie, and you get people to come along and see it, but you, you, you get tricked. You get tricked sometimes with that. Like, you go along to see a movie thinking... Christian Bale wouldn't be in this if it weren't any good. And then, bam, what do you end up with, Andrew? 
public enemies. <laughs> Fair point. Um, Matt Damon wouldn't be in a terrible movie and what you end up with, Suburbicon, which also stars <laughs> Noah Jupe, by the way, actually. It's a reteaming of the two. Uh, may it be a long-lasting collaborative partnership. <laughs> but like, again, and again, this is one of the things that we, one of the things where Ford versus Ferrari is not a radical film. It's not a particularly inventive film. But one of the things that it does rather well, and which I think it does very well, is its use of star power, right? So it's yeah. use of Matt Damon and its use of Christian Bale because it understands those star personas and it understands how to use them i don't want to compare it to like the casting once when i'm in hollywood because once when i'm in hollywood the casting is perfect there but it understands that dynamic a bit it understands that like matt damon is a movie star right so what you do with a movie star but he used to be a movie star like, <laughs> you know kind of but he, uh, his heart pretty just good can't movie take star. it anymore yeah 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 his, his heart's he just can't un- do those fight scenes anymore from the born identity and stuff yeah um but you have this idea yes yeah, so- man in his 40s <laughs> Right? Hollywood's just going to throw him out. Is he 50 yet? Um, no, no. He's, do you he's check a man in his machine? 40s, right? Do you want to check the fact machine? Come on. Like, like um, yeah, we, we will ch- check the fact machine. Kind of goodwill hunting. What? He was a young man, right? He was just... He... And we're back from the fact machine. Matt Damon is 49 years old. 49 so years old? So he will, he will be 50. He will be 50. Yeah. By the time we end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you finish your next watching. This of, of movie will before, still be in the 250. Um, but no, yeah, that's it exactly. But I mean, the thing is that it uses um, Damon rather well in that context. Because it understands that he has star power. And you can rely on him to do things like deliver monologues, which are on the face of them completely ridiculous. Like this weird existential statement about the nature of racing. It's like, you know, it, that's it. there's a point. 7,000 RPMs where your erection is just flying. <laughs> That's where you meet yourself. Find and out what only, kind of man you are. There's only one question, yeah. You can't, you, can't, you can't know what kind of a man you are unless you drive a car. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, you're no kind of man if you don't, if you don't have a car. Uh, and if you need a car to tell you what kind of a man you are, you're probably no kind of man altogether. Yeah. My life has been a lie. <laughs> But you have. I realized that all this I said all the time was was exactly that. But Um, I'm played by Matt Damon, so you trust me. Yeah, and uh, you have lines as well. Like your man is like, "What is he doing?" It's like he's making the car go faster. Yeah, or or the bit where Lee Iacocco's like, you know, why you can't risk all of this for just one man? And you know, Matt Damon's the guy who has to say, "I can," and you know why? Because while you and me are arguing about it, he's out there getting it done. Getting it done. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, that's the man who landed a, ta- a beat-up tank on the beach on D-Day and rode it all the way to Berlin. Yeah, um, you know, that's the beatneck you're talking about. I, I did. I, I, like again, and it's worth. Noting. I did enjoy that. Like, like it's a, it's it's a wonderfully crafted movie because it, it's kind of like these suits kind of took over and then kind of said, "Oh, we're America," and it's like. No, no, you're you're like a, a a part of America. You have your own kind of little sphere, but don't like kind of question these kind of that 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 was that was these an that, yeah, that that was that was an interesting kind of a uh, point. It seemed almost like if you could really, really stretch, if you could do a Darren on it, you come could on, let's say, do a Darren. He's talking about politics there, okay? And about, about like the the that Christian Bale is this is is a Democrat, <laughs> and that they're all Republicans, and they're trying to claim that there's something un-American. About um, well, I, he's well, he is quite literally un-American. He's literally un-American. 
but but no that there that there is something kind of you know um uh wrong with being uh with being this kind of uh, uh, uh beatneck or kind of like there's such a Not thing as being too image. free yeah, yeah. or deviant being a deviant and yeah. that's, that's how ford describes bond at one point you know yeah. he describes him as a deviant you know and again the Coco is the good suit because he's the guy who's like hey kids like james bond too pure we can exploit that yeah we too we, pure we, we can exploit that for this for our marketing gains isn't that what they say about him too pure <laughs> when they say too oh they do say too pure about yes about ken miles yes um and this is the thing about um not not iacocca yeah because <laughs> no, i was wondering that's where i was wondering yeah, yeah, that. no no was, um <laughs> darren took a moment yeah as, a, as we discussed earlier darren you've sorry excuse me as we discussed earlier, Darren, you've seen every movie, and no movie means anything to you. At they're any di- point, they're just they're just shards. Yeah, yeah, they're fragments. Of, of a reference to well-known movies. <laughs> and I looked at you, kind of cross-eyed. Yeah, like, huh? Are we engaging in conversation? Is that a thing that somebody says? That like, seems like come quite on, the non sequitur. I'm trying. I'm trying to engage with you on your level. Yeah. And, and what's again? This is. A, to get back to like the idea of kind of the movie star and kind of uh, Matt Damon's role you have the smoothing over of Shelby's life this wonderful description in an auto week tribute to him on his passing he's an entrepreneur who borders on a con man he's a legitimate con man the old American success story and although the film tries a confident man <laughs> yeah, yeah and although the film tries to portray Shelby as a man who has like racing in his blood who's like driven by this idea this philosophical idea of the purity of racing um, notably, after Racing Prospects took a dive in the 70s, Shelby, an avid entrepreneur, pursued other ventures, including, wait for this, safari expeditions, chili manufacturing, and land development as well. Um, so he, he wasn't so much like an ideological purist when it came to race car driving, so much as kind of a cynical opportunist. But you cast Matt Damon in the role... And all of a sudden, he has that movie star charisma. He becomes he large. Texan. He's probably into Chile, like um, uh, on the side. That's a separate movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, and I kind of I like the way the movie does that. The movie kind of uses Damon Star persona, and like you see that at the you climax. Say, <laughs> you say like um, like safaris, Chile, Chile. manufacturing, and land, land prospecting. Like you just said, land prospecting, oil drilling, and children <laughs> killing. <laughs> Is where he made all of his money. <laughs> that is not what I said. That is not what I was even implying. But I'm, I'm more getting at the fact that, like, the movie understands that you can use Damon in this way. Like, it's notable that during we talked about like the notable four- estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> Accused estate agent. Uh, thank you very much. But. It's notable that we kind of talk about, like, um, like again, this is the thing where we talk about, like, the last 40 minutes being a lot of racing, which is naturally more more focused on the idea of Ken Miles than on Carol Shelby. But the movie knows that Damon is enough of a movie star that you can just watch him mess with the Italians once every 10 minutes, and that will be enough to keep him present in the story. So, you know, he steals the stopwatches, or he drops the lug nuts, you know, that sort yeah. of stuff, or he gets into arguments with BB. Matt he- Damon is the perfect Hollywood star because nobody knows what he is. Like, 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 like Tom Hanks. <laughs> Have I spoken about this no, before? No, go, go for it. What do you mean nobody knows what he is? Since he doesn't seem to have any race or heritage to Okay, any background, any <laughs> yeah, context. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he just he, he's not a, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a gestalt. Well, that, that's no, a, I, I, I think, in, in fairness, I think, is, is da- Damon's Irish, right? He is, I believe. Yeah, well, he's from yeah. Boston. Um, And also, it's, it's notable that, like, do you want to hear what the original casting for this movie was? Tell me. Brad Pitt was going to play the Matt Damon role. 
Right. Which I can kind of see. Yeah, I mean, he's done that before, though. He's done it in Moneyball. Yeah. Like that. That's kind of a similar role. Kind of, yeah. The the uh, washed up kind of sports star who can't do it anymore. Yeah. Who has to try and kind of um, manage things a little differently. Um, yeah. And, and it's it's notable that again, like, you know, there's this. I think that like himself and Damon fit rather well within the same spectrum. Like, so for example, you can have. You can put Pitt opposite, say, DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And the two of them play very well off each other's strengths and weaknesses because Pitt always seems very relaxed and very casual and very likable. Whereas DiCaprio is like trying so hard in every single second to do what he's doing. And you have the same thing with, say, uh, Damon and DiCaprio uh, when they did it in The Departed, where DiCaprio was like this big ball of intensity in contrast to Damon's more relaxed kind of movie star charisma. Um, you have that sort of like idea playing there, for example, and like you could argue, and there's Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> yeah, who just sort of like wads, well, kind of moves into the middle of that sort of sphere. Yeah, um, he comes in at the end and say says like say um say hello to your mother <laughs> for me. Um, for me. <laughs> but like, and and then do you know who is going to play the Christian Bale role? Christian Bale. <laughs> um, <laughs> the um, Ken Miles, Matthew was- McConaughey. No, <laughs> um, it would need to be somebody. Let me see. So it was. Orig- I'll give you a hint. He's played was- a racing car driver before. Oh, was it going to be um, Chris Hemsworth? No. Um, was it going to be Emil Hirsch? No. Was it going to be? Okay, how many do I have? You've one more. I've one more. Okay, make it a good one. And I'll give you a hint. He was a race car driver. Pretty good race car driver. Tom Cruise. They were apparently considering Tom Cruise for the role. I hope he wouldn't have done a Brummie accent. Um, I really that hope... That would have been bad. <laughs> that would have been something to be hoped. If you wanted Babu Patel... <laughs> yeah, to, to come on to, and be a guest. As a, as a... Our, our, our Midlands correspondent. <laughs> yeah. And when uh, we say Midlands, we're not referring <laughs> to like Longford <laughs> <laughs> or Athlone or any of those terrible places. Um, we're... Uh, we're <laughs> Yeah, we're we're because uh, there there was a um, a villa shirt in this. Of course, Babu is our West Brom man. Uh, but yeah, like because that that's the thing is that I think Bale works very very well in this context because he is. I'm not sure if you would classify him as a movie star in the same way that you would Damon. By the way, I've heard Atlone isn't that bad, but Longford, yeah, there's no need for it. Sorry, <laughs> thank go you, on. Man. Uh, Matt Damon. But like, no, but I was going to say Christian Bale isn't really kind of a movie star to the same extent that Matt Damon is. You like, I think when no, you think it's of not Bale, like he's yeah. Batman or <laughs> or anything like that. But again, they, they've done interviews together, and it's great because Bale keeps remarking on how he gets roles that Matt Damon passes on, but it never works the other way around. <laughs> um, so, like, I think the fighter. So I always take the roles because I see it as a, as a challenge. It's like. Christian, will you do this? It's like, what do I need to do to do this? It's like, no, we're we're offering you. To, it's like, can I? Can I? Do I have? Do I have to put on two hundred and fifty pounds or lose two hundred and fifty pounds? Well, I mean, yeah, because even even for this, he lost weight when he did Vice, where he sort of swelled up to become Dick Cheney. He swore that he was going to stop doing that because it was damaging his body. But for this, he lost something like seventy pounds, and it's great because Matt Damon, who's like in interviews with him, goes like. So how how how'd you do that? And and Bale's response is, "Well, I stopped eating. I smoked and I <laughs> and I ate apples." Um, but yeah, it's like I stopped eating. And do you and... know I've actually done this before? Are you paying attention <laughs> to my whole thing? Uh, Unbelievable. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you want me to trash you? We're <laughs> done. Yeah, professionally. Um, but yeah, and Matt Damon's like, wow. It's like mind blown because this never would have occurred to Matt Damon, uh, which is great. I kind, I of, kind of like being Matt Damon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm just going to stay this way. In character for this sort of thing. But like, that's the thing is that like the movie understands like you have, it casts, first of all, it casts Damon well as we discussed, but it casts uh, Bale quite well as well because Bale has the sort of intensity that you need for the Ken Miles character it's he has difficult. that bit of edge that's it exactly that reputation for being difficult to work with that commitment to perfection and that unwillingness to compromise um, like I mean it's, it's notable that like Miles is like tension with the Ferrari driver in the final 40 minutes of the film is communicated entirely through side glances at each other. They never speak a line. They never say a word. But the movie's Your like... Your man never says one no, word. Not no, not a single line. Uh, but the movie kind of trusts that oh, you actually, can... Actually, hold on. I think he, he does say something when the car... <laughs> Yes, he maybe maybe utters something in Italian, but that's not real words. Yeah, that's not real language. We have to bleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we just did. Yeah. Um, but like, and you you have this again because because <laughs> the movie plays to kind of the strengths of Damon as as an actor. It plays to Bale's strengths as well because it trusts that you can put a camera on his face and trust that your results will be interesting. So you get lots of He's shots. Fantastic, by yeah, the way. He is. He, they, just that intensity, like yeah. you. completely get and believe him as a race car driver yeah Uh, and you almost believe him as anything that requires a certain level of kind of commitment or tension or sort of like focus uh, in what he's doing and kind of he works so well in that and like again this is the thing where you have apparently he had a a sheet of what he called brummyisms that he would ad lib in the car Um, so things like calling the other driver a pillock and stuff like that. So he'd have a little sheet that he'd like be working on as he'd he be did veer into too many <laughs> brummyisms. <laughs> brummyisms. It, like I'm not going to try to do the like like I'm not I'm not going to get method for 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 this. But he's like, put on a cup of tea. All right, H A P P Y H A P P Y. I'm gonna have myself a cheese. What was it? A cheese something. I'm going to have myself a cheese something when I go home because yeah. I'm from Birmingham. West Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, apparently Bale made a list from uh, the West Birmingham neighborhood where you, where Ken Miles came from. He'd carry a piece of paper and he'd mark off the sort of like colloquialisms as he was using them to make sure he never repeated them. Mate, give me a brummyism. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But yeah, um, but like you have that level of intensity and that focus and you can do those scenes that's really sort of close up and you get that nice contrast between Bale and Damon. It's, it's strange as well because he's not the guy who's called Shelby. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, because uh, Tommy Shelby is the, um, isn't he the main character? Thomas in... Shelby in, um, yes, in uh, Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders, yeah. Yes, Thomas Shelby played by Killian Murphy. Yeah. Um, but like you have this kind of juxtaposition between Damon the movie star and Bale the actor uh, which again kind of plays into that it, it's kind of it's again similar to that kind of alignment that you see when you use DiCaprio it's telling that like DiCaprio and Bale are both Nolan protagonists and like yeah. when Matt Damon shows up in a, in a Christopher Nolan movie it's like the end of civilization it's like he's likable he's got presence he was the best of us and it's like no no you should never trust a man like that but when um, Christian Bale yeah appears in a Nolan movie it's like we can trust this guy yeah. This is our anchor. And when Killian Murphy appears <laughs> in, a, in a Christopher Nolan movie, it's like You're in a web, Darren. <laughs> they're all tethered together. But like again, you have this kind of juxtaposition between the two where you have like 
Damon's easygoing movie star charm that plays off the kind of more driven, more focused, more kind of committed, more inverted commas, method presence of Bale. And kind of you get the nice contrast between the two. And I think that works rather well. I think that's something that anchors the film and gives it a bit of kind of, uh, that helps it play well because it, it's a movie. But it's just enough. <laughs> that, <laughs> Not that, too much. That's it exactly. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, it's, it's telling that, yeah, the movie's, it's could, like, he's irresponsible, he's dangerous, he's not a team player. Is he that bad? <laughs> like, um, Given how the movie ends, yeah, the yeah, studio yeah. system gradually breaks him. Like, that, that's how the yeah. movie ends. Isn't it's, he a family man who comes along and does his job? Yeah. <laughs> and kind of, like, doesn't cause movies to fail? Yeah. And, 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 and uh, yeah. gives up and refuses to put his family's livelihood in danger to pursue his own dreams, which yeah. was actually quite a nice touch. That it was like, yeah, you know, I'm actually going to settle down and provide for my family like a responsible adult. Um, man, man, tender roses. Yeah, I grow fat, eat pot belly pies. Um, and again, like, uh, and this is one eat of the pot belly pies. I, okay, I don't eat pies. Get a pot belly. I don't know. <laughs> what, what? Eat the kind of pot belly pies that would give you a pot belly pie. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Make myself a pie. <laughs> H A P P Y. I am Christian Bale, but I'm also this guy. <laughs> And again, you but you you get like you're right. It, it's it's just enough. He's not unmanageable. He's he's you know he'll occasionally throw a wrench or he'll punch somebody in the face. Like you get that that wonderful line of exposition from Dieter Voss, right? The Porsche representative. <laughs> where, like, 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 so you, you've had like the entire opening sequence is set up to establish the fact that Miles is very good at what he does, but difficult to work with. So you have like the entire sequence that unfolds to teach you that you have him like getting into an argument with the racetrack representative. You have him winning the race. And then at the end, in case the audience hasn't been paying attention to the entire 10 minutes leading up yeah. to the scene, you get a reaction shot of Dieter Voss going, he's difficult, but good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in, ca- in case you've been asked to go make popcorn and come in yeah. and, and say, hey, what's going on? It's like, he's difficult, but good. Got it. Yeah, okay. I'm with you so far. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, th- th- like it's telling that like directly after the scene where Ken Miles is on fire, his son Peter he has a conversation. Banner, but he also drives car fast. <laughs> it's contradiction. <laughs> Human nature. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah. But not too interesting. Yeah. It's, it's provocative, but not controversial. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like uh, okay, dear. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you've, you've done your bit for the movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're okay. Uh, we will never see you again. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's there's a lot of that in there. There's the moment that again the reaction shots from um, Phil or Pops, which is great because you can tell that they like the part of Pops seems to have been written for Sam Elliott. And it wasn't William Hurt that they settled on. <laughs> no, who was it? <laughs> Let's no, go. do do we? Yeah, let, why not? Yeah, give him his moment in the sun. Let's go to the yeah, fact yeah. machine and check. And we're back from the fact machine. And uh, yes, the character of Phil is actually played by Ray McKinnon, um, who is an American actor, screenwriter, film director, and producer, who's best known for two television shows, well, for three television shows, for his work on Deadwood, uh, where he played the role of Reverend Smith. He also played Lincoln Potter on the fourth season of Sons of Anarchy, but he's notable for writing and directing the television series Rectify, which I've heard nothing but good things about, actually. need to check out. Excellent. Um, but it's interesting. So, yeah, a bit of love for Ray McKinnon. Ray McKinnon, yeah. um, and deservedly so. And he does, set he, of hands. He does, he does really good work here, but you can tell that they wanted the role to be like written for Sam Elliott, because you get those lines like, it's right about now the uninitiated have the tendency to soil themselves. 
you know um yeah you you have um i like i, I like having 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 henry ford the second as the the re, re, representing the um the grandson of 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 a great man who is not himself a great man yeah. but it is in a position of authority <laughs> Yeah, and, um, yeah. And, and Lex we, is very Lex is really good in the role. Like, yeah. I, I, he's like there's a reaction shot where, and like, he knows that that is who who he is, he is. and that that is his that is his unresolved arc. Yeah, because he is the same person at the start of the movie as at the end. Yeah, all he has done is beat Ferrari, but he's done it by by just throwing lots of money, money about it yeah. and never changing kind of like his uh, essential mediocrity. Yeah. Or never actually embracing anything yeah. artisanal or having that great the, idea that his his grandfather had while walking home that changed the world. Exactly. Yeah. The, the only things that have made the success that is Le Mans 66 are things that he did not want to happen. <laughs> yeah. It happened despite yeah, of him, not, spite, because, yeah. Yeah, not because of him. And again, like, Let's is really good. There's the really good moment where, you know, again, <laughs> the moment you point out where the Ayakoko will insult his boss, but only where his boss asks him to. <laughs> but the bit where he's like, what did he say about me? And it's like he called you fat, sir, and pig-headed. But the moment where he says, he says, you're not Henry Ford, you're Henry Ford the yeah. second. The bit where Let's face just drops. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely incredible. And even the bit where, when he's listening to, to Carol Shelby, and again, it's a really great, surprisingly accurate to a business environment meeting, yeah. where Shelby's dragged in and told, tell me why I shouldn't fire you. And Shelby proceeds to give a list of reasons why he should be fired, but somehow isn't. Where it's like, well, the suspension broke. The car tried to lift off the track. The gearbox blew. Just about the only thing that didn't break was the brakes. That's a little joke there. You can laugh. It's okay. Um, but we we still managed to get poor Enzo right where we wanted him. Um, but like the and, bit- and then he goes into kind of exactly what uh, uh, why why that's true. And so to answer your question, we uh, so there you go. We we have Enzo where exactly where we wanted him. <laughs> I asked you why we shouldn't fire you. <laughs> that was a different question. <laughs> that was a different question. Yeah. Expand. You've forgotten the... <laughs> um, but yeah, but even even in those scenes, Let's is, is very good as well. And there is that kind of emptiness in them as well, which is, is very, very effective. Yeah. Um, Let's was also very good. I recommend Lady Bird. If you've seen Lady Bird, he's the father in Lady Bird. I have not. I would recommend it. And it's a Let's. similar sort of character. Yeah, let's do that. Um, but yeah, so in, in terms of, of Ford versus Ferrari, do you want to talk, is there anything about the nostalgia of the film and it's sort of like 60s setting? Let's be exactly an hour shorter than the movie <laughs> itself. No, I yeah, I I spoke about the nostalgia. Does the nostalgia mean very much to you? Did did your uh, mum or dad um, drive? Oh, you mean a, the actual Ford? Uh, Ford growing up? No, they they drove a Renault, um, which was really nice. I uh, can't even remember Fuego. Fuego. Fuego? I, I don't know. Uh, and a Land Rover when we were in Ghana. So I don't have any strong attachment to Ford as a brand. No. Um, yeah, I'm not one of those 17-year-olds with money in the, in my pocket, unfortunately. Um, I also don't drive a car, so I'm definitely not the target market for this movie whatsoever. But I mean more... By the way, we drove a car. <laughs> to and from the cinema. To and from the cinema. I think that was you, a first. And you revved. I you did. actually revved on the like again. You you spent In case the my open- mother is listening. <laughs> I drove very responsibly. <laughs> you, you spent the first like few minutes of the podcast talking about how dangerous these movies are in terms of inspiring young men to want to drive recklessly, and we get in the car and rev. 
Yeah, but that's not dangerous. <laughs> I know, I know. I, 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 know. I, I didn't then, you... <laughs> like, burn off and, like, like swing into kind of a, a, a lane. Uh, and that was a little <laughs> joke for the two of us. I know. Sorry. <laughs> you did stop as soon as we smelled burning rubber. <laughs> 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 yeah. We, we, we proceeded we, to drive like um, what was uh, a it? school teacher, Miss school Smith, teachers, yeah. Mrs. Yeah. Quinn. You can rest easy. We drove here like a school teacher, um, but no. When I talk about nostalgia, I mean the, the everybody kind of... knows how um, how how <laughs> like if anything, my my bad driving is 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 kind of like staying at fifty when I'm in a fifty zone <laughs> where everybody Nobody else is, is breaking yeah. the rules. Um, but no, in terms of nostalgia, I just mean in terms of like the the sixtiesness of it and stuff like that. The use of the copper tone ad, for example, yeah, the, the kind of the the insistence on kind of like having all those kind of sunglasses and stuff like that. The print material and kind of like the the way in which the the film oh the wood paneled offices yeah and all that sort of stuff and even like the sense of the again, minim- minimization of women yeah yes very much so that as well um, it makes you nostalgic doesn't it <laughs> yeah well I mean this is the thing when we talk about like the Mandalorian the new Star Wars show being kind of nostalgic for what Star Wars was there's a single woman with a speaking role that's what we mean by being nostalgic for what Star Wars was is there a single black person <laughs> <laughs> not yet that'll be the second season okay. um, but I mean it's it's also more along the lines of kind of even like this is the thing where I wonder if I'm a bit of a hypocrite because um, when we talked about the C- Cinema Paradiso which you liked yeah. a lot and which I was very cynical about for its empty nostalgia I found it very nostalgic and very cynical and very weary and what's odd is that it depends what you want to be that, nostalgic that's about, it exactly yeah, yeah that's it exactly because this is just as nostalgic this is and again like even in like interviews around it you have Mangold talking about like how excited he was about like going back to the 60s because even in terms of like studio producing you had a much more open sort of way of looking at things he talks about the sequence where they pull the computer out of the car yeah. And like how he wishes he could make movies like that where he didn't have to worry about like analytics or he didn't have to worry about algorithms or he didn't have to worry about like the studio telling him they'd focus group tested it or it was just like ride the car in the way that Ken Miles does there just trust it just drive it take it out see how it feels for you and then trust that it'll handle well when you get on the track and I wonder if like if that is a bit hypocritical of me that I was so skeptical of the nostalgia of Cinema Paradiso but I'm so open to this nostalgia while obviously, to be fair, not necessarily endorsing it wholeheartedly. Like, I don't think this is a great movie in terms of, like, we'll be talking about in 10 years. This is a great movie in that I enjoyed it right now. And it's kind of interesting. I think you're right. It's maybe the nostalgia. It's what you're nostalgic for. You know? It's kind of what appeals to you. And it's like, this is the kind of old-fashioned Hollywood movie that maybe does appeal to me particularly. So I want to say, Andrew, I'm sorry for Cinema Paradiso. So. <laughs> um, I want to say I was sorry for dumping on the nostalgia there. And I'm willing to admit that I, you know... I have my own nostalgic touchstones, and apparently those nostalgic touchstones are, yeah, Matt Damon being vaguely racist towards Italians. Yeah, oh, Italians. Sorry. Yeah, um, I being being kind of um, baby boomer, kind of pre the new Hollywood. Nobody ever says "Okay, boomer" to anybody in this movie. <laughs> um, to be absolutely clear, because apparently that's a hate crime. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, and it and it is. It's kind of interesting. Where do I know "Okay, boomer" from? Well, you're not on Twitter anymore. Um, but "Okay, boomer" is is a new online. It's a new insult that people use when they throw at somebody old who says something. Somebody, even you don't even have to be a boomer because to be a boomer you have to be what over sixty five, which means you're unlikely to be in say a workplace. But people saying "Okay, boomer" to older people when older people try and lecture them on things like you know avocado toast or whatever. Right. It's just a dismissive curt way of doing that. Yeah, which is which 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 is weird because they're they're. There, there, there are far too many uh, boomers trying to tell uh, millennials how 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 their um, 
you know, um, uh, uh, stupid or entitled or, or, yeah. or that sort of thing. How they which killed we, restaurants. Oh, yeah. Which we tend to dismiss entirely out of hand. But um, there, there, there perhaps is like a, a nugget of some truth in, in what some baby boomers might tell millennials and some things that we can learn. The only problem is that baby boomers have far too much authority <laughs> that is not earned. <laughs> and, um, and far I, too much money and far too much. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so like when, when they, when it, it's very difficult for them not to condescend or yes. patronize. Yeah, because their frame of reference is so radically different. Yeah. Um, and again, like as somebody pointed out the absurdity of like millennials being told that they killed everything from restaurants to like fine dining. Well, okay, not restaurants and fine dining, but restaurants to, you know, auto Automobiles to like home living and suburban manufacturing. These are and such cool and uh, problems. <laughs> to have. Have, yeah. yeah, millennials, the greatest serial killer of any generation. Um, but like the fact that all this is kind of what's said about millennials. But as soon as you say "okay, boomer," it becomes like a hate crime to show how sort of like sensitive people are about these sort of things. Yeah, like first start, don't blame millennials for everything. Secondly, don't say "okay, boomer." Like, can we live in live in a world where neither, neither of, of those, those things happens. happens? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but because like if you didn't have one, you wouldn't have the other. Um, but yes, the the thing is that yeah, this is very much this is again I mentioned it to earlier. Can't on. we all just, just get, get along? Um, but it, it this is very much it is very much a kind of a boomer nostalgia fancy. It's been described as a dad movie. I mentioned earlier in the podcast. It's almost a shame that we don't have someone like say Stacey or Grace who are cooler. Is Forrest Gump without legs. <laughs> <laughs> like if you replace them with wheels. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I thought you were talking about its box office potential there for a second. <laughs> it's like this will be out of cinemas in a week. Uh, but I mean, I mean, more in terms of like being a yeah, it is very much kind of like a, a you know, if Forrest <laughs> Gump was a car, <laughs> he would be Ford versus Ferrari. And I, again, we say that I think really, really liking this movie. I think that we both really yeah. had a good time with it. Really uh, did, yeah. yeah. Enjoyed it a lot. It was very funny, and yeah, yeah. Like we haven't spoken as much about kind of. <laughs> The things we liked um, uh, about it, um, but like it, it, it doesn't need us to kind of champion it. This is this is a very kind of mainstream kind of um, uh, safe movie and that will that, that will yeah yeah and and like I didn't want to watch it because I knew exactly what it was going to be. But I, I and it turned I, out to be and exactly it turned that. out to be exactly what it was going to be. But it's it it was, it was enjoyable. It was well made. Um, the performances were good they were charming etc etc that's an example like, like the less we say about I love that you say etc etc it's like I'm paying a compliment you know it, it's, it's, it's good it's solid etc you know those things that you say about blah, things blah, like, blah. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. let's talk about how crap it is again no I, I, okay, I'll, I'll go to I'll go to bat for this it, it reminds me of why these movies were as popular as they were why this sort of stuff was the template the golden age well, of Hollywood yeah, well okay not quite that but again why these sorts of movies were the template for awards fair for so long why people look nostalgically on and why again like why this sort of like assembly line factory stuff because again you mentioned we talked about Green Book right Right. earlier in the podcast even in Green Book where you wanted to you mentioned standing up for Green Book and kind of the, the extreme reaction that it got online it was a very old fashioned film right yeah. and, it, and like Ford versus Ferrari reminds me of that sort of filmmaking, except yeah. without any of the trouble. Well, okay, not without any of the troubling stuff, but without a lot of the troubling stuff that I associate. Yeah, with but that. I liked Green Book because, in part, because okay. of, of it how kind of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that it was a, a, a very kind of uh, baby boomer uh, movie about racism 
where maybe you need a baby boomer racism movie. Yeah, fair point. As yeah, opposed to this more, just being a baby more, boomer movie about cars, because cars are awesome. More than you need, like, a millennial uh, movie about intersectional feminism. <laughs> <laughs> because they probably got all that kind of covered. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah, but yeah, that, that, that's why I was kind of defending Green Book. Yeah. Because I I I, no, I, I thought I, may, may, maybe you need to reach those kind of people. I kind of I think I agreed with you on that point. Which yeah. is that like I mean this is a movie that more people will see Green Book than will see if Beale Street can talk. Yeah, exactly. For example, and yeah. I mean I think if Beale Street can talk is a much better movie, but that doesn't mean that Green Book shouldn't exist. Yeah. Um, which is what I would argue. But anyway, sorry. Welcome to the Green Book <laughs> podcast. But I, I think that about wraps it up then in terms of, of Ford uh, Ford v Ferrari. Unless so there's fast. anything else, <laughs> unless you want to talk, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, anything we haven't discussed already with regards to the movie. Um, no, no, I like there's probably loads, but um, no, I'm 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 happy enough. Um, as am I. We've covered a lot. We have actually. I, I think I think it was a. So fun... did our solo bolo. We did do our solo bolo. So Let's never have any guests again. <laughs> it's, it's much more efficient. It's trimmed to fat. <laughs> well, <laughs> you'll be pleased to hear we have an excellent lineup of guests taking us from here to the new year. Um, no, but um. Before we talk about what we're doing next week, Andrew, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Anything you'd like to recommend for listeners? Anything you'd like to give the thumbs up to? I'd like to recommend, if I haven't already, the uh, TV show uh, Silicon Valley that I've been watching. Interesting, because we tried to watch this together, didn't we? Did we? I think we tried one episode this together and it just didn't click. Yeah. Sorry, listeners are now getting an insight into our lives together. But I've been watching on my own. Okay. (laughs) It's much, much better. Yeah, it's a much better (laughs) experience. Um, Another TV show that I haven't been watching as much, but it's fascinating, and I've been kind of listening to people recap it on the radio is the uh, Trump impeachment. <laughs> it's, the plot it's, twists are astounding. Where are the writers coming up with this it stuff? It is hilarious. <laughs> it is really, really funny. There, there, um, uh, it's Armando Trump, Iannucci. Sort Trump of stuff. has a uh, lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who says he has insurance <laughs> against Trump turning on him, which is amazing. You also, you also have um, one, one of... Um, one of Trump's kind of uh, closest aides who, who 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 would help kind of like fund the, the, the uh, yeah who, who who was part of like his presidential bid and really wanted Trump to do well who needed to who needed to collude with uh, Trump's plans to put uh, Hunter Biden in prison and uh, presumably ru- ru- ruin Joe Biden's kind of uh, the, presidential the presidential run. run in 2020. Well, careful about you, spoilers here. Yeah, yeah, you, haven't seen this yet. Yeah, you 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 had him kind of reluctantly ag- agree firstly to um to 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 back that because otherwise you weren't like that was the quid pro quo. <laughs> uh, because like if you don't go along with 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 Trump's evil awful plan like then how are we going to kind of give 400 million to the Ukraine to, to the Ukraine and now now he has to reluctantly go along to to uh to like he doesn't want to do any of this but has been forced into in 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 into doing it through like the insanity of the situation of, yeah yeah well you, you know the way that earlier in the podcast you banned give me shelter right <laughs> right i would ask for just a reprieve for like the season finale of the trump yes. impeachment thing because it of course and, and the, the the brilliant thing is that none of this matters because the senate are never going to convict yeah. him but i mean 
again predictive this is not a recap podcast you know let's just for themselves politics is 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 so much fun yes. at the moment well, it's, it's it's, it's so insane yes. like the the um if you had told us that this would happen three years ago we would have okay maybe not three four years ago we would have laughed um but i mean and and the thing is like what i was going to say was 2015 yeah yeah, yeah we did yeah, this um this would have been unimaginable but i was going to say like the peter sondland testimony right yeah is like the third act in a martin scorsese film it's the point at which you start seeing like you know montages of people being buried in holes and yeah. people being arrested and dragged off and people sort of like discovering that their best friends have betrayed one another yeah and now, now everyone's like, gonna have to turn and and, and like uh uh, Donald Trump is going to have to watch as, as they like bury one of his <laughs> sons yeah. of his, uh, his grown adult sons again <laughs> yeah, like house of, play house of the rising sun or play like give me shelter over they the look a bit <laughs> like Joe Pesci <laughs> just the way like Donald Trump's look, uh, sons look a bit like, like him, him. Um, but yeah so, so that, that's what we would recommend uh, this week yeah you see the the uh, uh, Ukrainian uh, ambassador as, as 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 well. She was fantastic. She was so good. Uh, well, it's all Fiona Hill. Um, oh, she wasn't the Ukrainian. She was no, the expert, no. She it? she was yeah. But but it was it was kind of like this this. Uh, by the way, this is what Trump is tweeting about you right now. <laughs> <It was laughs> oh like, yeah, like, they read it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, if you if you wrote a TV show like this in 2015, you'd be thrown off the air, and people will wonder how much cocaine was in your writers' it's, room. It's happening at just the right time because all the Brexit stuff is kind of stopped for a moment. <laughs> it's kind of like well, it's positioned perfectly in terms of scheduling. Yeah, yeah. It's like a bit of a lull. The the network behind this is just fantastic. I think their yeah. scheduling just the, whoever you don't even that. have to watch it. You can you can catch the recaps and and, and, and you'll get a, yeah, a full you'll sense of what's going on. You'll be able to talk on. about it at work and that yeah. sort of thing. Water cooler, the water cooler moment. Yeah. It's the new Game of Thrones. I, I mean, oh. normally I don't talk about uh, politics at work, but lately I've started saying, I'm "Not sure about this Trump guy." <laughs> he seems pretty suspect. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's something to behold. It is absolutely insane to try and wrap your head around. Um, in terms of recommend, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm not sure I go that far, um, but yeah, it, it is. is. <laughs> it is like it's hilarious. I, w- I was listening to it on the phone, and I know it matters a lot yes. to 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 people that this actually affects. Yes. Um, that would be my concern. But. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I was driving over and like the whole thing is just <laughs> hilarious because there's like, like a just a, a, a it's like a a, a, a a clown car on fire, and somehow there's always more clowns. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. And kind of yeah. So in terms of recommendations for me, I'm going to be a lot more modest. Um. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, I'd recommend Watchmen, which is actually on television at the moment. Uh, I think it's very worth seeking out. Um. I'm really really enjoying it. I'm a big fan of the comic. Big fan of Damon Lindelof. Uh. Particularly his work on The Leftovers, which is one of the best television shows of the decade. And I would wholeheartedly recommend that. Um. Also, we are probably going to talk about it in a few weeks, so it's probably not worth a recommendation. But The Irishman, uh, which will be arriving on Netflix during the week, and is well worth seeking out if you're one of those unpatriotic, you know, sort of like um 
beatnik style people who isn't you know a forward person who likes their entertainment artisanally crafted by one person who produces you know less than i think it's artisanally uh, fair point okay Sorry, boomer <laughs> thank you andrew uh but yeah no um the the irishman is is an absolutely amazing experience it's one of my it's probably my film of the year for being entirely honest um and i would recommend watching it taking the time when it is available on netflix Anyway, so join us next week because uh, we're coming up to Christmas. We've got a wonderful slate lined up for you. So in the next couple of weeks, uh, next week we'll be kicking off our winter of 1939 season. We'll be crossing over with the movie palace Some with the wonderful, wonderful Carl Sweeney. Uh, <laughs> I know, a fantastic slate. Um, and then the week after that... holding up a slate. <laughs> that's a, that says Darren Easy. Yeah. Um, was, what, when are you going to hold up the 7,000 RPM uh, slate? That's what I'm wondering. But yeah, so after that, then we'll be following that up with uh, the wonderful uh, Grace Duffy and Rena McGregor will be coming in to talk to us about Gone with the Wind. Yes. Um, and then we're coming into the winter season. So I'm it's looking going... forward to those. Yeah, those, those are... I'm, I'm really kind of looking forward to, to, to those 1939 movies. Yeah. Um, and then there's also then we'll be doing uh, The Empire Strikes Back, um, which is great with the wonderful Luke Dunn. Um, and then coming up to Christmas, we'll be doing The Apartment with Rena McGregor. So I'm, I'm really looking forward. I think it's a really, really strong slate. Um, I think that, you know... As the Lee Iacocco of this podcast, I've, I think this is something we can stand over. Yeah, I don't think we'll slate it. Hi-oh, thank you, Andrew. Um, I like that you're working with me on this. Yeah. You know, it's got to be a bit of give and take here. Yeah, um, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... But it's good now. <laughs> but anyway, join us next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.